No, it's all good. Like I said, I, I'll just I'll give you guys a heads up if I have to hit off. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello there and welcome from the beautiful place of thailand in the back behind me you're watching on the youtube stream thank you by the way for tuning in live make sure you subscribe and hit the bell notifications so you get notified whenever we have new content available to you you can also download us on your favorite podcast app will be available after the show wherever you like to listen but yeah for those of you maybe you're just listening to the podcast you can't see it i got a little tropical resort behind me a little bit you can kind of see a little bit in the background here literally doing a morning show a thursday morning show it is already thanksgiving for me guys i'm going to know the future that's why you have to listen to us here on this show i remember we're gonna have the inside scoop for those thanksgiving day games i digress i'm your host dan mater joined here with chase thornton and chris dowhauer how we doing fellas getting by getting by i mean i mean i'm not in thailand i'm in <laughs> you know wisconsin so it's a little you ever go to like a place where you feel underdressed i feel like i have i'm under background i don't have a beautiful <laughs> bar I'm not in thailand like I'm just in an apartment. Here's I'm me. Apartment. Blackout curtain back there, though, which is nice. I like blackout curtains. <laughs> yeah, so we got a we got a big one here today, of course. We always do the full preview show, but week 12, for whatever reason, the NFL and all of its glory and knowledge decided that there'll be no buys this week. So we got a full slate of games we got to get through. So let's just jump into it. <laughs> You're also going to have to bear with me because I don't have my normal equipment being halfway around the world. So not as many sound effects. We'll do our best to keep up the energy throughout the week as we got chased for. Uh, (laughs) Detroit's up here. They're going to be favored in this game. Minus seven and a half taking on the Green Bay Packers in Detroit. 47 and a half over under the classic Thanksgiving game here between Detroit and Green Bay. Uh, look, I got Detroit covering in this game pretty easily at home in Detroit. Defense has been very stellar at that place. Green Bay is just losing guys left and right, although they have played a little bit better as of late. I don't want to take any away from our guy up here up top and Chase Thornton here. But wasn't me. <laughs> I'm not really buying it too much. I think Detroit will be able to control this game on the ground. So I, if I had my cash button, I would say I hit Detroit at the minus seven and a half to cover. Fantasy-wise... I'm not too big on Jared Goff. I think that's how much I expect the running game to kind of take over in this one. I got him at QB 15. ECR's got him at 10. I think there's other options, especially in a non-buy week, that I like their ceiling a little bit more. Not that Goff is a bad play this week, but I don't like the upside of how I expect this game full to go. I don't know. Chris, what do you think? I mean, I can understand that, but he's been pretty much money at home. So this is Detroit offense. They usually score around 30 points at home. It's Thanksgiving. I think they're going to try to put on the show, especially with the new Detroit team that we're kind of, you know, enjoying now versus the old Detroit team for, for many, many Thanksgivings was, was, was atrocious to watch for the most part. Um, so it's, I think that you're going to see an offense look to get back in a groove as well, kind of still incorporate a lot of their playmakers. Jared Goff had a rough outing last week, three interceptions, kind of bounced back with two touchdown passes. So I think this team's going to kind of try to score points. I think Green Bay's offense can put up a little bit. Detroit's defense, so as of late, hasn't been kind of the same lights-out defense we've seen earlier in the year. So I do think there's going to be some scoring in this game. I think Jared Goff could be a top-10 quarterback, and I think he's one of the better options. 
Yeah, well, he hasn't really been doing that last couple of weeks, frankly. The days of him being a top 12 quarterback have been about three weeks missing. So uh, I don't know. But again, not a bad option. Still should probably give you a safe floor. Jordan Love definitely should be some better options than him. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs. Look, these guys are RB1s, in my opinion. I look at this and I say, you know what? I don't think you can go wrong. I have Montgomery at six. I got Gibbs at five. I don't care. They're both RB1s. And I think they could be both RB1s the rest of the season. Yeah. No, I, I've said it before. I, you know, repeatedly, just like we have seen this happen before in backfields on teams that want to run the ball like this, that have a strong offensive line. Cleveland did it just several years ago with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. We've got the same kind of thing here where one guy we feel like kind of makes more of his, his bones with, you know, through the air and the other guy makes it on the ground. But uh, you know, yeah, they've both proven so far when they're both healthy now, especially now later in the year after Gibbs has kind of got his feet underneath him, so to speak uh, that, that they're both capable of that. I, I agree with you. I have them both as our RB one options this week too. So. Whoop. Where'd you go, Dan? Dan All right. Well, he's frozen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how he's so frozen because I'm the one that's in Wisconsin, and and yeah, he's, well, he's halfway around the world. I mean, I have to give him, I guess, some credit. Yeah, well, we'll give him credit, but it, it's warm enough there. I wouldn't think he'd be frozen there. But no, I, I have them both ranked as as number one options too. I have Montgomery a little bit lower. I've got Montgomery at twelve, right on that kind of RB one, RB two borderline there. But uh, yeah, Gibbs is top five option for me uh, until proven otherwise. And then. How about in the other backfield, uh, chasing you know, Green Bay's backfield, kind of a consolidated backfield? No Aaron Jones, looks like no Wilson. Are you confident? Are you firing up AJ Dillon? Where is he on your board this week? I don't know that I'm necessarily firing him up, but uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, he's he's playable. I have him as a as a low end running back three, like a running back three kind of uh, flex option there, because listen, I'm just not convinced by what I've seen, the way that they've used him, and the way that they, you know the way that they have ignored what's been, it seems to like they've ignored what's been working right or what they should be going to. And they've been doggedly sticking to their own guns. Uh, meaning they've been ignoring Aaron Jones and continuing to run AJ Dillon and AJ Dillon. You mentioned before the show, he looked, he's looked a little better lately. He's run hard all year. I, I won't say anything else, but I just don't feel like he's got it, uh, you know, in the tank anymore right now to the way that they're playing football to be that top, 20 type options. So I've got him at 29 there. Uh, wide receiver wise in this game, obviously Alvin Ross, St. Brown, nobody's got to have, you know, tell you to play him. Um, but on the Packers side, Chris, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs of the three of them. Is there one that you feel like you might want to use here this week? Is there one that you feel better about going forward? Uh, what say you here on the Packers wide receiver? Yeah. So I feel like this is one I could flip a coin. I feel like you're going to feel like that most weeks, the green Bay offense, this is one of the issues with having a young offense. I like some of the playmakers. They just have so many different receivers are kind of rotating in. It's hard for anybody to kind of get a vibe or get statistics. If I'm going to kind of bet on a guy, especially this week, I'd probably go with Reed. The situation at running back with basically A. Dillon being the only healthy running back that they're going to have. We saw Reed kind of, you know, be rotated in and used as that quote-unquote Debo Samuel role where he got some jet sweep action and lump in yeah. the backfield here and there. So I think if you're looking for a flex option, a receiver, I don't love any of these guys necessarily being destiny in your lineup, but if you're going to play one, Jordan uh, Jeff Reed's probably the guy for me this week. Uh, moving forward, I think the consistent guy that you're probably going to feel confident in 
is Dobbs. Dobbs is probably the only guy you can put in your lineup week in, week out that you're hoping for at least a touchdown, if nothing less. Um, you're not really getting a huge upside. Watson probably has the most upside. Um, full point PPR, I do like Reed probably the most going forward because he has that slot position kind of locked down. And moving forward, I think you're going to see short, you know, more passing attacks look for that slot receiver. That's usually the norm as the season progresses. So I think Reed could be the guy in full point PPR for a half point or less. I'm looking at Dobbs moving forward. Yeah, I think we kind of all thought that this would be a three receiver set with Musgrave at tight end, and we'd we'd see Reed in the slot and Watson and Dobbs on the outside, and that's basically what we've seen. But Dobbs has been the one that's kind of been steady week to week. Reed has come on to be a steady option week to week as we get maybe Dan back here with us. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Uh, but I agree with you that I like Jaden Reed this week better, but long-term probably Dobbs because he's just been the most consistent of all of them. He seems to be the guy that Love looks for. Even when Love seems like he's trying to look for Christian Watson, he ends up having to look for Dobbs because Dobbs is the one that's actually open. Um, tight end-wise in this game, obviously Sam Laporte is a top-10 play. Nobody's got to tell you to deal with that. Luke Musgrave on IR now for the Packers, uh, so they will be going with Tucker Craft, their other rookie wide uh, tight end draft pick there who actually had a couple of nice plays last week. And had he been able to tightrope the side, the sideline, just another inch or two in, he had a nice long touchdown that got called back. Uh, Dan, how are you doing? You're back. I'm good. We had a little power surge here at the resort and knocked out everything for like half oh, a second. Yeah. Sunspots. Yeah. We don't We're know what all back, like baby. up here. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm around the equator, baby. It's it's a little different here. I'm going to say that right now. Uh, I don't have any other notes in this game. Chase, you wrap that up perfectly. You guys want to move on to the next. We got the Commanders taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Just another opponent in a long list of easy matchups the Cowboys have on the way to the playoffs here. Antonio Gibson expected to be a in this one, so we'll see if Brian Robinson's going to be getting all the volume that he was last couple of weeks. Rico Dattle is expected to play. Speedy Lamb is good to go, practicing in full. Dallas, favor in this game at minus 11 with an over-under of 49. I like the over, and I like Dallas to cover. They are the better team. They should have no problem putting up points. They have been aggressive, even when they're up multiple scores over the past few weeks which is why I think this game also hits the over, too. Uh, Dak Prescott is my number two quarterback on the week. Uh, guys just been lights out on fire. You get the best matchup quarterback you possibly have against Washington. Sam Howell, I am ahead of him on the ECR because I got him at QB 12. ECR's got him at 15. It's a Dallas matchup, but come on. I mean, it's going to be garbage time galore the entire second half. And the guy's been throwing the ball a ton as it is. He's been able to score 20 fantasy points in five of his six games. I don't see why, even against Dallas, it doesn't continue because of the game script that we would expect here. So I actually would still start Sam Howell this given week. Chris, you got any, uh, you, you want to rebuttal that or no? Well, I just want to first say the Washington Commanders should be absolutely embarrassed, especially defensively, giving up the, <laughs> what they did at Tommy DeVito, giving him three touchdown passes. Um, to a quarterback who shouldn't be in the league, he's basically about? made us eat my words. It's top five quarter, top five to a guy they they sacked him nine times last week versus the Commanders. Um, uh, I never seen a team get double digit sacks and still allow a quarterback who is still get blown out and get blown yeah. out. Yeah, great point. <laughs> um, I am a little concerned with the Dak Prescott being number two at the ceiling. 
You talked about not calling off the dogs. They caught the dogs last week versus Carolina. They really didn't put the ball up in the air a lot. C.D. Lamb only had you know 30 yards. Uh, Gallup had 30-something yards. I believe Dak Prescott finished out of the top 15. So it was something that you have to do kind of watch out. If Washington does get blown out, the pass rush is going to be a problem for this Washington offensive line. Um, I am a little concerned. I think Dak's still going to be a top guy. I just don't know if he's going to be his top five. The, the difference last week is that really volume-wise, Chris, they didn't call off the dogs. He still had 38 pass attempts. He had 35 the week before. We went 400 yards and four touchdowns against the Giants. The difference was that Carolina was able to do a good enough job of taking the deep ball away from them and having them throw it a little bit short. So I'm not really worried about them calling off the dogs. Can they hit the big plays? Should they be able to hit the big plays against Washington? Everyone's been able to hit the big plays against Washington. That's where I, I, I don't worry about that. The guy I do want to talk about, because Brian Robinson's a top 24 running back, whether Antonio Gibson plays or not, just due to volume, is Tony Pollard. Again, he scored! I get it. He scored. He did <laughs> score. Scored against Carolina. Good job. Good for you. His usage, however, was no different than it has been since week one, which was the last time he had scored. So I for all he, my Padres, tackles and he scored. That's two things I haven't seen this season. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's two, it's, no, it's and that's fine and that's fair. But you get the ECR still putting him as a top ten running back. We're, like, come on. Like after one, he finally scored once since week one. He's totally back to being. I know it's a decent match against Washington. But they're really still middle of the pack. It's not like it's not like a plus matchup. It's not an overly positive matchup for running backs against Washington. He's still only getting 12 carries a game with four to five targets a game. It's solid usage, but that's going to cap your ceiling unless you get in the end zone. I don't see any difference here. Tony Pollard, RB2, still in your lineup. Still not expecting RB1 level production from him this week or even moving forward when their matchups for running backs do get a little bit tougher. Chase, what do you see in this? No, I, I have it the same way. I'm a little bit more optimistic than you. I kind of split the difference. I've got him at 14 this week, like you said, though. Running back to, uh, yeah, his usage didn't change last week, really. Uh, now, they did give Rico Dowdle, you know, another eight carries, which was nice to see. He didn't do a whole hell of a lot with him, but, um, and two targets as well. Like I said, I think that Tony Pollard works best as half of a committee or maybe the larger half of a committee, um, which is what they need to keep him as. And, uh, you know, hey, Last week, he happened to cross the, the goal line. Good for him. Good for everybody. Um, and the way that I expect this game to go, they should be having the running backs handle the ball. We might see actually more Rico Dowdle if he's healthy enough to carry it. Um, but I, yeah, I've i got him splitting the difference between ECR and you. I'm not I'm not ready to put him back at, at running back one because he hasn't proven that all season. Yeah, I mean, your point yeah. with Rico Dottle, last two weeks, Pollard's been under his average for the season as far as his carry share goes because Dottle has been involved. And Dottle hasn't even been 100% over yeah. the past couple of weeks. Won't be 100% going into this game, but he's still going to be active. Yeah, Chris, what are you going to say? I definitely understand it, and I was definitely down on Tony Pollard. I saw Tony Pollard break tackles. Um, so I'm actually very optimistic. One time. I, guess <laughs> I mean, no, look. That's all. I haven't seen it the entire season. I saw him run hard. I saw him break tackles on that touchdown run, which is all I've been looking for this entire season. And for a team that Washington just gave up six with the ball six times um, last week, which gives Tony Pollard an opportunity to fall into the end zone a couple more times. I do think Tony Pollard's going to He's had the opportunity all year. The problem, he hasn't been he hasn't been I understand, but he hasn't broken tackles like he did last week. I'm actually going to bet on Tony Pollard. I, I understand, oh. and I can't argue necessarily all logic-wise. I test-wise, sometimes I look at guys, what I think could be down in the future. This is one of the things where I actually see Tony Pollard look 
like I expect Tony Pollard to look like most of the season, and it got me excited last week. Maybe I'm drinking a Kool-Aid, but I think he's going to be back in the top 10 this week. Well, regardless, he's in your lineup, so we're not going to argue that too hardly. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is my number two receiver on the week. Brandon Cooks is a low and wide receiver three. He has a big game, comes right back next week, right back to his four targets for the game. And it's just, I know it's against Washington, which is the only reason I have him ahead of UCR. I got him at 36 as somebody who can maybe contemplate playing here. But uh, the usage clearly was not the game two weeks ago that gets Brandon Cooks off the snide. So it depends on what options I think that you have. Any of you guys want to use Brandon Cooks, or are you just or you right with me here? No, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't trust this coach enough either in terms of patterns of usage and, and things like that to to well, want to thing, roll him out there week after week or even try it. I'm not 100 percent positive, but I thought Gallup was banged up, and if Gallup is, is out, then I'm willing to play Cooks if Gallup is to be out. Uh, Gallup's going to play. It, it, that's, he's banged he's, up, but he's yeah, he's gonna, he's banged he up, but he's playing. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it does that. I don't even know if that matters too much. Him and Tolbert are splitting snaps, really. It does to anyway. me because when I look at what the offense talked about, 38 passes, I know we didn't see necessarily the targets of Brandon Cooks, but we have seen for the most part a decent amount of targets. And versus a Washington team likes to play a lot of man. We saw what happened the 440 yard performance versus man a couple of weeks ago. That's what would get me excited. And then also watching Tommy DeVito have three touchdown passes. <laughs> Welcome, Adam, hey. into the show. What's up, buddy? What up? How's it going? Good. Glad to have you in. It's like paradise behind you. It, it, it is paradise behind me. Right where I am. I will say this. Look, Thailand is still a third world country. So as soon as you get outside these walls, it gets a little dicey. But <laughs> customer service has been primo everywhere I've gone. I will say that. Uh, Terry McLaurin, he's still a wide receiver three. I got him 30. He just he gets enough volume to be in there. You don't love the matchup necessarily. Hal is spreading the ball out, so the ceiling's not necessarily there. But he's still a wide receiver three in my book. Jahan Dotson, I don't want to play Jahan Dotson if Curtis Sam Christian kind of gallop and, and Cooks thing. My thing is Curtis Samuel. It, it doesn't seem to matter, even if Curtis Samuel's not that big uh, a factor in the offense that given week. If he's just out there in the field, John Dawson does not perform this season, plain and simple. So I don't want to play either one of those guys. Uh, Logan Thomas, thir- 13 tight ends, with just outside my top 12. If you don't have a better option, he's an okay to go with. And Jake Ferguson, your startup. Do we have any other notes to this game, guys? Adam, we to jump in here at all? No. Okay, cool. Let's go to our next match. <laughs> I did want to wait to update the showdown standings until Adam was here because I, I, I will own it when I lose. I will own it when I lose and make sure everybody sees it. Oh, well, no. sorry. I didn't update. <laughs> I, didn't have the... I do have the updated graphic here somewhere. I'll get it up there in a second. Chris wins this DK Metcalf showdown last week. He did finish inside the top 20. We had to cancel the Devon A-Chan uh, bet because yes. that one, he got hurt in first three touches or whatever it was so we canceled that one and i for the life of me couldn't remember i know we had a third one gentlemen but i don't remember what it was so couldn't really update you there uh we'll we'll get back to it so we have the 49ers we have the seattle seahawks san fran going into seattle for this matchup favored on the road at minus seven with an over under of 43 now when you got san francisco and seattle divisional rivalry we always know how that can go always usually a tight game 
I was a little surprised to see San Fran favored by minus seven. But when you start to factor in, no Kenneth Walker, Geno Smith, we really don't know how healthy Geno Smith is. It looks like he's going to play with the elbow issue, but really might not be 100%. And he hasn't been that good this year anyway. I'm actually going to take San Francisco to cover here at minus seven uh, with that news. Brock Purdy, top five quarterback in my book. He's been absolutely on fire. Another good matchup against Seattle. We're not playing Geno Smith. Christian McCaffrey, we play him. Love him. Let's get to Seattle backfield. Adam, you're back into the show. Let's get it to you, buddy. Zach Charbonnet. I got him at RB23, which means you're still playing him as a top 24 running back. Not the greatest matchup to get his first career start with a whole workload in front of him. But the good news is this. He should be getting the bell cow work. And he already has been a guy who's been involved in the passing game. So I do expect Charbonnet to have a strong floor. How do you look at this for him in his first game? Yeah, I, I think I'm on the same page as you. Uh, I think based on volume, I think based on skill set, you know, he's very capable in the receiving game. Uh, the matchup sucks, which kind of limits the upside. Uh, but, you know, he's going to get volume. He's a good player. So low end RB2 feels about perfect for me. Okay. What are, you, what are you guys looking for here? Like, we don't know the the extent of the Kenneth Walker injury, right? But Charbonnet's been kind of working a little bit more and more into it. I'm, Kenneth Walker's a very good player. I don't think he's going to lose his work. But, Chris, what are you going to say? I'm worried about the Seattle's going to do Seattle things, the Charbonnet move, where they always rotate somebody in. Is All of a sudden, there's DJ Dallas that pops <laughs> out of the Dallas season. I, I, I'm not sure if McIntosh is back off of IR or not. I know they like him a lot coming into the thing but they usually figure out a reason to play a pass catching backwards, rotate somebody else in there just to piss off fantasy people. Yeah, I, I thought about that too. Um, I'm going to go with it doesn't happen this week on a short week, and then Charbonnet's been very, very good as a pass catcher that they won't go full DJ Dallas third down passing down mode. But Chris, you're not wrong. We have seen Seattle do weird things like this in the past. Uh, but yeah, well, I'm still playing Charbonnet as a top 24 running back. Brand Ayuk. Plug him in. I got him as wide receiver seven this week. Even ECR's got him at eight, so we're right in line there. Debo Samuel, low-end wide receiver two. DK Metcalf, I have him at wide receiver 17, taking on Traverius Ward. Uh, it's hard with the Seattle receivers in general when you talk about Metcalf and, and to lock it, who I also do have top 24 receiver this week. Good matchup on paper. I do think it could be a negative game script, which should lead to more passing down the field, especially in the second half. But at the same time... The receivers have not been 100% healthy like all year. And now Gino's banged up. So I think there's a wide variety here we're dealing with. I'll go with Chris because you won the DK Metcalf showdown last week anyway. Are you are you plugging in Metcalf and Lockett? No questions asked. I'm playing in Metcalf because I think that he's been the guy that I see them get targeted in the red zone. That's been my big thing almost the season. It hasn't always been efficient, but he is the guy they look for. Lockett, I'm a little cautious of because of the banged up part. I like Lockett when they're able to use him in a slot with, with, with Jackson Smith and Jake Webb taking over that slot position. The place to attack the 49ers defense all season long has been particularly at that slot receiver. And I don't know if either one of those guys rotates in there enough. The outside receivers have been struggling because the pass rush has been killing Geno. And that's where I don't know the 49ers defense is the same you know, defense that we have statistically as we've seen the last couple of weeks with the new pass rush that they kind of have, having somebody on the other side of Bosa is huge, in my opinion, versus Seattle offensive lines with the Swiss cheese's entire season. That's why Gina's always banged up. So I am concerned overall for both these receivers. I think DK kind of has a you know, limited ceiling. Tyler Lockett, to me, is kind of a, a flex option receiver three at best. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, George Kittle's been uber consistent over the past few weeks. How about this, guys? We have Debo Samuel back. Brandon Ayuk's out there. Chris McCaffrey's back there. And George Kittle has been able to eat. Because why? Trent Williams is back in the lineup. That's always the key for George Kittle. Uh, anybody else have any other notes for this game? Real, real quick, the reason I like Kittle more so, you know, Adam talked about this last week's show. Do we want to kind of decide when Kittle's actually going to be involved in the offense or not? Because that's usually the question for the 49ers. I think it's a good chance this week that he is. Seattle's a good matchup for him, but particularly in the middle, where you attack Seattle and the passing attack is in the middle of the field with your backs, with your slot receivers. The outside receivers actually struggled most of the season versus secondary. 100% agree. All right, let's go to our next matchup. Remember, guys, we have a Black Friday game. A Black Ooh. at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which will be headlined by Tim freaking Boyle. Just add it to a <laughs> of another quarterback. Top five quarterback, Dan, probably this week right now. Third. A th he better not be. A third of the league is basically backup quarterbacks or starting quarterbacks of backup quality. Yes, I'm talking about you, Desmond Ritter. It's it's just it's absolutely catastrophe. However, Dolphins, Jets, in the Jets, Miami favored by 10 points in this game, over under of 41. Miami has not been good against good defenses. I am going to take them minus 10 here. Believe it or not, and this is just we're going to lead it into it with this matchup. And I want everybody's opinion on this one. I actually think Tim Boyle is a downgrade from Zach Wilson, at least in particular when it comes to Garrett Wilson for sure. Because I don't think there's any chance, any chance that you can have any deep field throws past five yards when it comes for Garrett Wilson. So... Brees Hall, I don't know how much it affects Brees Hall. Brees Hall's problem has not necessarily been the quarterback play. It's the offensive line can't block anybody. He's got to make a big play to make his due. And he's the only one in the Jets that can score touchdowns. So at least he's been able to make his due from that standpoint. But this is going to be over the top bad. So Chris, your opinion, Tim Boyle, downgrade, upgrade. What do you got? It's so sad. I feel so bad for Zach Wilson and, and, Usually we're pretty good money. I cannot believe we're debating whether Tim Boyle's a downgrade from Zach Wilson or not. <laughs> I don't know, Dan. I think it's a downgrade still. I'm with you. I look. I remember last year when Denver kind of you know put Brett Rippin out there um, for a couple of weeks. Was and he was a very similar quarterback in my opinion to Tim Boyle. So we've seen this kind of you know quarterback play under this offensive coordinator. Um, I think the one thing that might be maybe a boost. And I'm, I'm really stretching here, but just possibly a boost is that this, what Boyle knows is the old Green Bay system in a sense is the Aaron Rodgers system is probably more of a system that he's comfortable and can go to a second or third receiver. Um, I watched some wonderful breakdown this week on, on Rich Eisen's show with Kurt Warner. We'll talk about later on the show with the quarterback play in general, but just to kind of read some of the guys are given. Part of the reason some of these reads are hard from some of these guys is because the coaches are giving them like a one, two, three read in a sense, but they need to go. They're supposed to go one, look at it regardless of even taken away, then look at two, look at three. That's why you're seeing a lot of these sacks happen. That's why you're seeing a lot of these guys not get the ball you know, quickly. Um, and as a result, a Tim Boyle actually might help the offense in some senses because he's not doing the same kind of read and react offense that a lot of guys are using. He can actually know the terminology, maybe actually read through the whole process and go to the open guy. 
I say it's one week, and then we're going to see Trevor Simeon next week. That that that's what that that's what <laughs> yeah. I think we're about. To what say. it feels. Like. I mean, more than likely, I hundred percent agree. This offensive line is so banged up. The coaching staff's retarded. So I, I'm not with you. Know, I'm not against you. And I think I think the only thing I'm saying is a possible upgrade could be is if Tim Boyle can actually read you know do get rid of the ball real quickly and make something happen. Chris, is this your Against domination defense of the week, or do we got another one? Um, I have another one, so I, I won't get okay. to you. All right, we'll wait. We'll Jalen Ramsey should be a domination defense by himself. Is there <laughs> a prop bet on the percentage of passes that he picks off in this game? Because it might be over 50%. There, Dude, Tim, Boyle, Tim Boyle doesn't really know the old Green Bay system. Tim Boyle knows the old Green Bay preseason system which is when he had all his glory days and everybody loved him because he was the backup to the backup. This could be, yeah, this could get ugly real damn quick. I've got him ranked at 33. Chase, what does Hackett run differently than that was in the preseason? That's actually what they're watching in Seattle. I mean, not I've got him ranked at 33 only because I'm waiting to see whether Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi gets a start for New England and then he'll be yeah, 32. Same. Yeah. Same, same, I same. Just, yeah, I can't wait. I just to said 32 because I know he will be 32 by the time we get the week kicked off. Absolutely effing wild against and, him. Yeah, I yeah. I can't understand what they're thinking there, what they're doing. I Unless Rodgers is pulling the strings behind the scenes. What am I talking about? Because Rodgers is pulling the strings behind the scenes, his buddy gets a start this week. But yeah, it's got to be Simeon season next week. Uh, yeah, we spent some extra time on that because the rest of this is straightforward. You're going to play Brees Hall in your lineup. You're going to play Raheem Mostert, who should be in a, for a decent workload, even in a tougher match. Well, not even a tougher match. The Jets have actually been able to run on this year. Uh, Tyree Kills to my wide receiver one. Going to play Jalen Waddle, even though it's a tough matchup for those guys. you got to play him with the volume that they've had. Tyree Kills been a little bit banged up. Waddle might see a little bit more of a workload. I guess the only guy I don't have as a must start, but probably still flexing, would be Garrett Wilson. I got about wide receiver 25. So like, he's not a must start, but he's still going to be in the wide receiver three area If any receiver is going to get targeted. It's going to be Garrett Wilson, I guess. I know it doesn't make you feel good after last week, but you know, you got to, unless you have a better option, go for it. But I don't see too many out there and Tyler Conklin, not playing him this week. So does anybody else have any other notes for this game? I think I feel worse about uh Boyle than you did about DTR. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, does and it make you feel better to watch Tommy DeVito had three touchdowns and finished top five last week? Oh, oh. I think somehow DeVito was better at Syracuse than Boyle was at what, UConn? <laughs> I don't remember what Boyle with the college. That's a good question. As, you know, why don't you go ahead and look that up while we go to our next matchup? <laughs> Oh, no, Amazon Prime's got to be pissed. Like, oh, yeah, we paid for a Black Friday game, and we got Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle's well, an Eastern yeah, Kentucky Hilltopper. A Black Friday game. Huh? That's a good point. Sorry. I, I don't know if that'd be any better, but yeah. No, uh, no not point. necessarily product-wise, but I just think that match is better. No, I, I like that. Yeah, sure. I, on, on the flip side, though, you were supposed to have Aaron Rodgers. And it was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers versus, yeah. yeah, this was probably supposed to be for first of the division <clears> in the NFL's <throat> minds. Yeah. 2023, oh, wow. Tim Boyle. Yeah, that's where we are. How about Eastern the Saints, Kentucky. Falcons? Eastern Kentucky. There you go. Even even worse than UConn. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't get any better here. Desmond Ritter taking back over for the Atlanta Falcons. The Saints on the road favored at minus one in this game. We don't even know who their starting quarterback is going to be because Derek Carr is dealing with a concussion issue. It may be Jameis Winston. We'll have to see. Michael Thomas is sent to the IR dealing with a knee. 
Taylor Heineke was benched slash dealing with a hamstring, whatever the case may be. So Ritter's back. Wiley inconsistent. We already know what the deal is when it comes to London and Pitts, right? Pitts technically finished as a tight end 12, believe it or not, through weeks one through seven. Anybody can tell me the right week to play him because that was the problem. Same can be said for Drake London. Technically finished as a wide receiver 30. But then again, weeks one through seven, wildly inconsistent. Now, usually better at home playing as a tough defense against the Saints, though. I am looking for other options besides Kyle Pitts and Drake London. But my question to you guys is this, and we'll start with Chase. Do you expect anything to change in Desmond Ritter's second stint this season? No. <laughs> I, I don't know where else you can go with it. No. I mean, I I don't think that he probably learned a whole hell of a lot in, you know, his, in his little hiatus here that he had while, while Taylor Heineke was named the interim apparently starter. But um, I mean, he's, he's going to be what he's going to be. He's going to try and run around and they're, going to do what Arthur Smith does when he calls his offense. And so I don't, yeah, you're still going to not know from week to week, who's the guy, who's the main target. And even if you know who the main target is, you don't necessarily know whether Desmond Ritter is going to hit him or not. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm not expecting like this to go wildly better. I think that he'll have moments and he'll have plenty more moments where he's tossing it to God knows who. I think this is going to be one of those 16 to 10 games. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Chris, I'm going to ask you this. Bijan Robinson, I got him at 17. The ranking for Bijan is irrelevant. The question is, does he get the usage that he got before the bye, where he had his second highest carry share and his most route runs by far for the entire year? Is that what we're going to see? Was that a blueprint moving forward, or was that just Arthur Smith trying to shut up everybody for one week and one week only? I mean, that's a hard call. The Martha Smith, we have no idea what, <laughs> what to kind of read trend-wise. Um, Just makes sense. Just makes sense. Look, I look at this for Bijan. What I feel more upside for, and it's kind of, you know, is correlating what you're talking about, the guys that play receivers this week. If if Lattimore is out, which I haven't seen if he's practiced this week, I know that he was not necessarily going to be out for the season, but there was supposed to be an extended injury issue. That's going to help Bijan, I believe, because it's going to enable this team to kind of move the ball. If they're not able to move the ball, Dan, it is a 16 to 10 game. I do have concern how much Bijan does get involved. What they seem to like to do when the game is closer is to kind of just let Algier take up the hits and the, you know kind of phase Bijan out in some senses. So I do think he's going to be involved heavily. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's going to have the same involvement you know per se that he had last week, but I think you might see more opportunity in the passing attack. And I think the red zone thing is what I'd be looking for is he utilizing the red zone? And I do think there's going to be a push for him to kind of be used more in the red zone moving forward. That's all you really need, though. If he can just take away Tyler Algier's red zone role, which really he should be able to, there's no reason why he shouldn't be going to Bijan, then I think he maybe doesn't give you back exactly what you drafted him to be, but at least gets him back into the conversation of being a top 12 running back week in and week out. That, to me, is has to be the key. Above all, you know, we would love to give him the bell cow usage, but as long as you fix that, I think he's got a chance to get back a little bit on track. Uh, Alvin Kamara, top four play for me this week may move him down a few spots if Jameis Winston does, in fact, wind up being the starting quarterback because we know he's not going to check the ball down to Kamara nearly as much. But Kamara's still an RB1 nonetheless. Chris Olave, I'm ahead of the ECR on him. I got him as a top 10 play this week. Michael Thomas, goodbye. We already love Chris Olave's target share to begin with. I'm 
Jameis Winston, great. And even more, even more of a boost for Olave. Derek Carr, fine. He's got no one else to throw the ball to besides Olave and Rashid Shahid. So I love Chris Olave as a, as a top 10 wide receiver play this week. And Rashid Shahid, speaking of him, I got him as a top 36 play with Michael Thomas out the way. Being able to make some big plays, should have a little bit more of a target share. I don't know, Chase, you look, you look uh, Adam, sorry, you're looking at uh, Rashid Shahid and thinking to yourself, oh, I got a flex play on my hands or no? Well, especially to what you were just saying, if it ends up being Jameis, I think he's the one that kind of yeah. gains Kamara's loss. But yeah, either way, I think he uh, is going to be fantasy relevant. He may not be the most consistent player in the world, but um, I, I bet he averages you know, playable numbers over the next few weeks, at least in flex territory. You guys know who be. led you guys know who led the Saints receivers in snaps in week 10? Hit me with it. AT Perry. And also saw his first four career uh targets and first two catches and a touchdown. So loved him in Dynasty, with, was a, was a sleeper of mine Dynasty. Could be a sleeper for the week with Thomas out. I'm not playing him necessarily, but <laughs> just if you want if you want to take a deep dive. <laughs> deep dart hey deep, deep dart dfs dart throw yeah good could could do worse look with, with anything with at perry and why to your point he played as many snaps as he did he's a big body receiver who can get out there yeah. and block that'll give him playing time i don't know if that's necessarily gonna give him the target share you're looking for but dynasty wise that's why i've been keeping my eye on him and why he was a sleeper of mine earlier in the season all right let's so let's make fun let's let's try to make sense of this tight end situation we got going on here in this game because you got Kyle Pitts, who I'm not starting this week. You got Janu Smith, who I also don't want to start this week against the Saints defense. Desmond Ritter inspires no confidence whatsoever. But then we also have Taysom Hill. He did exactly what we thought he would do. He wanted a three-week sprint. And then the week right before their bye week, Taysom Hill no longer involved. This is exactly what I said was going to happen. We've seen stretches like this. But now Michael Thomas is out. They're coming off the bye week. Maybe maybe it's Jameis Winston at the quarterback position. Maybe that makes him want to play Taysom Hill a little bit more. Not so fast. When Jameis Winston's the quarterback, Taysom Hill never plays. Never plays. He's got more of a chance to play if it's Derek Carr, not Jameis Winston right now. So I think Taysom Hill is only a play. I do have him at tight end 11 for now if Derek Carr is the starting quarterback. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think one of the problems for Taysom Hill has been the return of Jamal Williams. That's kind of, you know, taking away the role that he's been in the hammer back in a sense. And that's where you see the, the value from him when he rushes for touchdowns. It's not necessarily catching the ball or being involved at the tight end. You want him to be that jackknife you're talking about, Dan. You want him to be involved in taking some quarterback snaps and different things. I don't know if we've had enough to see with his coaching staff, per se. I know I know there was some of it's really reminiscent from Sean Payton to say that he's not going to play for James Winston. Smart coaching would tell you usually off a buy, you would expect Taysom, a Taysom Hill package, um, but it's the Saints. So. Well, and Jameis Winston is a big body who can hammer it in the red zone, kind of like they use Taysom Hill, and he's not a overtly talented passer necessarily like Taysom Hill. The problem is, is that if for Taysom Hill to do what Taysom Hill does lined up as a quarterback, they can do a good percentage of that with, with Jameis Winston, but we don't know yet because now we've seen that now the, so far this year, they've actually been willing to use Taysom Hill as kind of a receiver sometimes and do some other things with him. It should be interesting to see. I've got him ranked the highest of all four of those of all four of the guys in this tight end cluster. You know what here, but not by much and not because I want to. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's still a risky proposition nonetheless. You guys got any other notes in this game? <laughs> We got the Pittsburgh Steelers rolling in the Cincinnati. They're favored by minus one on the road. The over-under is the lowest over, not the lowest over-under ever, because that was last week, but the <laughs> lowest over-under of the week. And it is 34 points. I remember last week against Cleveland, which was the lowest over-under, because that was 32 and a half, and we took the under on that. I'm going to take the under again on this Dan, game. Another, another backup quarterback. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to he, tell you. He's supposed to kick off this segment with excitement. And that fact that Matt Canada is no longer calling plays for the Blame Pittsburgh Canada. Steelers. We don't have to watch another Mike Tomlin interview after a game explaining we're going to stick to this guy because he sucks ass. I am so excited that for the last two weeks, in the last couple of weeks now, we were actually seeing some of the guys that we call for their heads and seeing those heads being delivered to us. It's about time the coaches start being accountable. I know this is not an exciting game on paper. I know the under is probably the call that should have. But I'm going to take pleasure that there's going to be <laughs> some some hope that their Pittsburgh Steelers offense will not be absolutely putrid and may score 20 points. Now, having said all that, it's Mike Sullivan. Last That's time ballsy. Before it was the Giants and – yeah, thank I, you. That's what I was going to lead into. Like, I don't know if this situation improved. That has all. been a whole lot. So, it's not Matt Canada. It's not Matt Canada. I think there's more excitement for next year of what that can mean. But as soon as they said Sullivan was going to be the offensive coordinator, I'm like, mm, I don't know how much this matters anymore. So, yeah, that was kind of the problem. I wasn't excited that. about Hardy taking over for the Raiders, but at least it's not Josh McDaniels. I'm just saying there's a, there's hope. That's fair. That's fair. That is fair. Um, by the way, I'm taking Pittsburgh cover in this game or basically win this game. Essentially, I think they don't lose the two backup quarterbacks to divisional rivals back to back weeks. I'm just going to give especially a team that, believe it or not, is seven and four. Mike Tomlin, I think I'll just I'll give him the point there and I'll take Pittsburgh to cover this game. Anyway, so talking about the quarterback situation, Jake Browning comes in. We don't care about him for fantasy purposes, of course. But what does this do to the wide receivers? The ECR wants to put Jamar Chase in wide receiver 17. I'm still going to leave him in the top 10. I think if nothing else, your job is going to be to simplify and get it to your number one read. And I think that's what Browning is going to do. The number one read, even if T. Higgins is in fact back, is going to be Jamar Chase, in my opinion. I think he can do enough with the ball in his hands after the catch to still be a top 10 receiver. Chase, what are you going to say? I just I I have him as a wide receiver too, but yeah, you know, a little higher than ACR, but by only by one spot. I I just I don't have any confidence in this offense until I see it behind Browning. I know that it's Jamar Chase, and I know he's an all-world receiver, but he's got to take some kind of a hit. He was already playing as a oh, you know, as a mid wide receiver one, and I just I'm not I don't know I'm not, I'm not uh, optimistic about what this means for the pass catchers on Cincinnati now. You want to talk Joe Mixon and what it means for him. I think it could be a positive for Joe Mixon. I think that Joe Mixon, they they'll have to lean on him. And so I, I really, you know, I'm I'm not overly excited about the idea of Jamar Chase. And I have a lot of Jamar Chase because I was really excited about him coming into the season and it just hasn't worked out that way. Thanks to everybody's injuries. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not as bullish on him as you are. 
he can do what he can do after the catch. That is basically yeah. what it boils down to. And they, what they showed me against Baltimore when Joe Burrow went out was that they were not afraid to let Jake Browning throw. You get some of these backup quarterbacks in here, you can see right away the team doesn't want to have that quarterback throw any more than they possibly have to. They weren't afraid to let Browning throw. So whether that's not going to be efficient. It's not going to be Joe Burrow level, of course. No. But as long as they're not, as long as they're willing to not hold him back or not be afraid to let him throw, I think Jamar Chase will be okay with what he can do after the catch. He did run four. Browning did run four times for forty yards too. That's something Burrow's only done four times in his career. So yeah. To your point, Joe Mixon, I do have him as a top ten running back this week. ECR's got him at eighteen. I am ahead of them on that one. I do think this will be a more run balanced approach. And Mixon's been pretty solid over the past few weeks in Pittsburgh. He has to get Hayward back, but you can still run on them right now. Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. Let's talk a little of this there, Adam. Najee Harris, I'm kind of, I got him at RB33. Jalen Warren at RB27. I still can't get either one of these guys. And if you were going to pick one, I guess it'd be Warren. I can't get either one of them in my top 24. They're still cutting into each other too much. Warren, I think, is still too dependent on that big play. But what are you seeing over these past few weeks with these two? Do you think it's going to shake out to be one or the other at some point, at least in a meaningful way? My opinion is if by next week there's not a meaningful shift, it's not going to happen. And I, I say that, you know, quick, quickly after the firing, I could imagine things don't change that much. So I will give them till next week. But if it's not a result of the coordinator change, I don't think it happens. I, maybe it you know, switches by another like 5 to 10%. Um, but a meaningful shift for, you know, your grasp, you know, he's not going to be a, a workhorse, I guess is what I'm getting at. There's not going to be a, a point where Najee is not playing. Uh, I, I don't see that happens unless it happens over this week or next week, you know, with the shift in OC, like being the, the reason. Yeah, no, I think that's a very fair point. We got Chandler coming in here. Flex Tutu or Zay Jones in 18-team PPR. Uh, given the injuries right now at the Rams, I say this is Tutu, and my rankings would reflect that. Anybody disagree? Nope. Okay. So there Tutu you go, Chandler. Tutu averaged like nine targets a uh, game with uh, with Cup out at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Stafford's back. Cup is out. Puka Nakua is dealing with an injury. Even if he does play, we're going to talk all about that later. But yeah, 2-2, uh, go ahead and fire him up, especially over Zay Jones that week. Uh, Deontay is still a wide receiver three. So is <coughs> T. Higgins, if he in fact does play. George Pickens got his butt on the bench. He's digging himself a bigger grave there in Pittsburgh. And Pat Firemuth, I don't think you can play him until you see him get more than three targets in a game. So you guys got any other notes in this one? The AFC North is becoming just a perpetual Iowa game for everyone except Baltimore. <laughs> Matt Canada got fired. Thank God. Matt Canada got fired. But Pickett <laughs> looks like, like Desmond Ritter on Wheeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the next to go. You got rid of Canada. Now you got to figure out you have to move on from Kenny Pickett. That, Chris, to your point, while we can't get too excited about this game this week, the most exciting thing about Canada for this season to get excited about is that now – it won't be any more excuses for Kenny Pickett. If he comes out there and he still looks like Kenny Pickett, then maybe they'll finally recognize that they need to move on. So that, that is the good news there. All right, let's go to our next matchup. We got Carolina taking on the Tennessee Titans. And I must have missed the game line for this one. I, I didn't even want to bet on this game. That's why I missed the game line. <laughs> You're going to over on this one, Dan, right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever, everything whatever about this it game is, takes screams the under. over. 
whatever yeah. it is, take the under. Uh, Will Levis, Bryce Young, just whew, two really bad rookie quarterbacks. And I, I like, I know there's some defenders out there for Bryce Young who always hate on me when I talk about the fact that Bryce Young's nothing more than you know a Zach Wilson smaller quarterback, but because that's frankly that's that's what he is. I get it's his first year. It's just it's it's terrible football. I I I know you're not supposed to call a guy a bust in his first year. Calling the guy a bust. I'm sorry. It's just he's not he's not an NFL starting quarterback. Period. Uh, but the guy I do want to start here, Derrick Henry, top ten running back this week against Carolina. Do you think he gets finally back on track? They're in a game situation where I don't expect it to be an overly negative game script. Should be neutral for the most part, and it's against Carolina, which is you know one of the best matchups you can have for running back. So I do think Derrick Henry gets back on track, and he's in my top ten for this week. Chris, I don't want to play a Carolina running back. I don't care whose usage is what. It doesn't. I I don't care. I don't even want to play. Are you on the same boat with that or no? Tennessee's been tough versus running backs most of the year. They don't give a lot to the running back. Um, they can get some catches. So one of the problems with that is you're seeing kind of both those guys being involved in the past situation now where they're kind of rotating downs versus actually being, you know, playing roles. Where Chuba Hubbard was the pass catcher earlier in the year. Now they're kind of going more rotation. I'm with you. I'm not playing either of these guys probably now this week or moving forward. If avoidable, I'm hoping one of them kind of identifies themselves as a keeper because to your point with the the future quarterback play, you're not getting any red zone opportunities either. So if you're going to get 40 yards, what's your upside? Your only upside is one of these guys gets hurt because somebody has to have all the workload in order to have value period. Uh, Adam Thielen, there is some positivity to take out with Adam Thielen, right? I still am not as high as ECR. They got him at 15. I got him at 24 point is I still have him as a top wide receiver too. That's going to mean your lineup last week though. Highest target share of the year, 44% team target share and his a dot, which is what I was talking about the last few weeks was driving me crazy with him. Went from less than five back to eight, which is what he was, is a direct correlation to Frank Reich calling the plays. So I do think if you've had Adam Thielen, I still don't know if you're getting the productivity you were getting in the beginning, middle part of the year, but it should be better than what you've gotten over the past month. Is that what you're seeing here, uh, Chase? Where do you got him at? Thielen? 14. (laughs) I still have him as a mid wide receiver, too. Yeah, well, that's I fine. Just, he's in yeah. your lineup. I mean, he, he's he's got you know, he's got upside insofar as he's the he's definitely the number one target. He's definitely the favorite target. He's about the only guy that Bryce Young has been able to hit with any kind of consistency. Outside of that, he's not exciting. He hasn't been right, exciting right, all the year. Even if he's 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 out he's out gained your your ADP on him. But other than that. There he is. Yeah, 100%. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he just slips inside. My top 24 could possibly get a touchdown. Will Levis is still doing a good job of at least throwing the ball his way, even though the Will Levis magic has drastically fallen off here. We're not playing Chicken Conqua. So does anybody else have any other notes for this game? Nope. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Tampa Bay taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Ooh, Nelly. I must have missed a few game lines because I don't have this one in front of me either. Another game that you want to take the under on, just FYI. <laughs> doesn't matter what the line is. F- it doesn't, doesn't matter. Just take it. Uh, Baker Mayfield, top 16 quarterback this week. So in the streaming category, you probably have better options ahead of you. Gardner Minshew, I have my QB 23. 
Jonathan Taylor has reestablished himself as the bell cow man. I have him as an RB7 this week. Still a little lower than the ECR. He's got him at top five. It is a tough matchup against Tampa Bay. How about Rashad White? I mean, I don't want to get into Rashad White. I got him as an RB2. Got him an RB16. But talk about a guy who, like, kind of bounced back in a way. Just like he's fine in the end zone. He was able to hold on to his job. We thought he might not for a second. They started checking the ball down him again. I mean, as ugly as it looks, Rashad White is everything you drafted him to be when it, when it boils down to. So, yeah, you know, good for him. Mike Evans, top 10 receiver, still find the end zone. Michael Pittman, healthy target share. Love the match against Tampa Bay. Josh Downs, I have him as a borderline flex play. Chris Godwin is a borderline flex play. I don't have a lot of top takes for this game, guys. Anybody want to jump in here? Anything they're looking forward to in this matchup? Note on for future reference. That's the thing about these kind of matchups, right? When you get some of these teams where these players, they've had their usage all year and it doesn't change. It's not going to change. They're not a position to change. It's kind of nice because you know what to expect, but at the same time for our show, it's not a lot to talk about. Like I will say for the Rashad Sorry. Go for it. I was going to say real quick, the Rashad White thing that stood out, stands out to me the most is he looks like James White. If you're going to use him as James White role, then he's got value. If you're going to actually use him as a running back, he sucks. But in pass catching wise, he's definitely a guy that they can use in that James White role. To be fair, anybody that gets used as an actual running back by Tampa Bay sucks right now. Like they're an absolutely horrendous running team, and they have been for several years. It's just they they can't run the ball for more than two point eight yards a carry to save their lives. But yeah, you know, you're no, you're definitely right. His value right now comes from the fact that they are giving him looks in the past game and he's doing something with those looks. And even so, even if he does, even if he's a mediocre running back, which he kind of is by all accounts, he, if he's getting you five or six catches a week, he's basically getting you double digit targets off the bat. Now, if he scores, you've got something. And that's basically what's been happening with him all season. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, somebody who lives in a country where DraftKings is not blocked, please look up the next Giants and Patriots. Sell Chris Godwin, by the way. That, that's Giants another Patriots. Yeah, Giants Patriots. Sell Chris Godwin. Chris, why is that? Look, I test wise, he doesn't look like the same explosive player since the, the injury. I'm not sure if that's holding them back. But I also see a guy who reminds me, body language, body language wise, a lot of OBJ in Cleveland towards the end. Chris Godwin is not running his routes as hard. He doesn't necessarily like getting targeted. And I think that's what you're seeing that he's pouting yeah. and frustrated with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I was just going to say, does his dad hate Baker Mayfield? Mike Evans and is getting tired of only Mike Evans getting targeted all the time and not getting involved in any kind of Mike situations and getting a bunch of six catches for 36 yard games. So for me, Chris Godwin, while he might have somebody because they have point PPR and they're getting his six catches, the, the yards aren't going to go up the touchdowns. He's not even looking for him in the red zone. So I think this is a guy that if you can get something for right now, you want to unload. So is it Baker's fault that Godwin's not getting – I mean, I'm just – what I'm saying is is that OBJ got pissed in, in Cleveland, and, and it wasn't like Baker was necessarily throwing the ball anywhere else either. Here he was. He was throwing to T. Higgins. He was throwing to other guys, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing Palmer get the ball. You're seeing Topkins get the ball. You're just not seeing Chris Godwin get really in the blink. Chris Godwin will have like a stretch similar to Michael Thomas will have like that one series where he gets involved and has his four catches. And that's the rest of the game is like nothing. And that's what you saw a lot of in Cleveland where it was Landry, 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 and Higgins, 
or whoever else they pull off the street, and then OBJ is like, "What about me?" Landry's not. Landry was not a, a true alpha guy, though, and Mike Evans is, and Mike Evans is eating like Agreed. a true alpha, like a true alpha wide receiver. Landry is a possession wide receiver. Godwin, well, what Godwin, is buddy. what? What is God? I'm I'm talking about Landry back in. The difference in, I see Chase is that God there was a preference. Baker's receiver. not. Baker can't throw to two dudes. Like Baker has his favorite. Yeah. And then he has the other guy who he knows is going to have the weakest coverage. He's going to look yeah, for. Well, sorry, between, sorry, you're not an alpha. But OBJ top, was in but between, yeah. and that's where I think you're having a struggle for him. Where Godwin realizes it and is frustrated. That's why I think the body language is a big part of it. He thinks and he knows he's not going to get the targets he's looking for in a sense because it's not the reads. It's not what Baker is going to look for. Baker is going to look for this guy, or he's going to look for an easy single coverage throw. And that's what you're seeing, just like you saw in Cleveland. Yep. We got a good good, good question coming in here from Calvo. What's up, guys? Should I start at the flex or who should I start at the flex? PPR, Pittman, Charbonnet, or Trey McBride? What do you think, Adam? I think Pittman, probably. Uh, he's been being awesome uh, in regards to targets. You could very feasibly imagine 11 targets from him, so... Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree. PPR wise, especially according to my ranks, it would be Pittman for me as well. I've got Pittman uh, as a wide receiver one this week. So, yeah, if you can flex that, flex him. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, a lot of people drafted Pittman as their wide receiver four, as a wide receiver three in their league. So, he is a flex play for a lot of guys. It's, it's a good thing to have. All right, let's go to our next match. <laughs> courtesy of Adam, I now know that the Patriots are favored at minus three and a half in this game with an over-under of 33 and a half. So this is the lowest over-under of the week. Oh, yeah, Chris. Tommy DeVito, baby. Start him. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just If I have to watch Zappy versus DeVito, I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead and shoot myself now. Like, I, I'm going to be honest. I love football. I do not love that football, and I probably will not be watching. <laughs> That's football. an all-time quarterback matchup name, though. I, I have been – Happy DeVito. I have been more willing to defend Bill Belichick than you guys, but I'll, I'll go out and say it. If DeVito gets more than two touchdowns against Bill Belichick, like the notorious rookie quarterback killer, wash. Done. Get him out of the league. It's over. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, this Indeed. is just it's dreadful. So let, let's talk about Mac Jones. Let's talk about Bailey Zappi. Chris, you're making your feelings known. I will go to I will go to you first. Who do you I, I'm not gonna ask you who you think it should be because I, I think we all know who it should be. Who do you think it's going to be, and what's the impact here at the quarterback position for the Patriots? Wouldn't be shot if it's Will Greer. Well, that I, um, that I would be shocked. Will Greer is the only one not getting practice reps. Apparently, it's Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi are splitting it. Will Greer hasn't gotten any first-team reps. So you're going off of logic. I'm going off what I see at the New England Patriots right now, as Adam kind of alluded to. <laughs> he <laughs> said he's team, getting reps at a practice squad. I don't care. Malik Cunningham a three-year contract and then cut him the next week. So I have no idea what to take from what they do practice, you know, roster-wise, any, any of the above. What I do see for myself is I don't think that you're necessarily going to change who you're playing. It's not going to really dictate anything different. You're going to look for maybe, maybe Ramondre gets a little more catches um, because of the check down you saw for Zappi last year. But you also saw Ramondre get six targets last week. So maybe it's just the coaching staff's not stupid and realizes using the running backs is probably something that's important to do. I don't know how it changes things moving forward, Dan. I don't think it gives any hope. 
I don't think it gives any any kind of boost to anybody. I don't think it's a downgrade necessarily, except for what my eyes will have to watch versus having hope that Matt Jones will still get a chance in this league versus Zappi or Will Greer, who I just know don't belong in the league. Yeah, um, NFL standpoint, 100% with you. There's, there's, I know there's been some talks and reports about Matt Jones lost the locker room. Whether that's true or not, who knows? The point is, Mac Jones is the only guy who's got a chance to make a play down the field. From an NFL standpoint, it should be no contest. From a fantasy standpoint, the only guy you care about on the Patriots anymore is Ramondre Stevenson. Because even Hunter Henry, like you're playing him on a hope and a prayer. So if you have Stevenson in your fantasy leagues, you probably do want Zappy to be back there. There is more of a case for checkdowns. And to Chris, to your point, while the coaching staff, yeah, they could target up. Ramondre Stevenson, even Mac Jones is on the field that they wanted to. We have seen before when you have certain guys in there at the quarterback position, especially guys like Zappi, they maybe feel more forced to make sure that he's checking the ball down to Ramondre Stevenson. So I, I think if you're a Stevenson owner, you want Zappi. And I think that's the only thing fantasy-wise that matters here. I think it's the only thing fantasy-wise that matters for both these teams, by the way. I, Barkley has an RB1. Stevenson has an RB2. The rest of this... I just I don't want to touch. I think Douglas that you can play possibly this week versus the Giants secondary. Even Zappy, that's kind of my thing. If it's Zappy, I don't know that I am. Here's where if you're going to make your point again about Zappy and the offense changing, he is checked down city. We did see Jacob, Jacoby Myers get the targets last year. I do see that's the fair. slot receiver being somebody who's heavily targeted in this offense. It's not going to the running back will be to the slot receiver. So one of the things I think Douglas has is a decent floor this week. I don't necessarily the ceiling is huge, but that's where the, playing the Giants does kick in because you have a lot of man for a guy who actually has some, you know, has popped Douglas in for a reason, does have a little pop to him. Nothing else is all, all Patriot always has popped to it other than maybe Rondre. So I do think there's a chance that he's playable. So do you, do you uh, think it is, do you think it is Jones, Zappy or Greer? Chris, I think it's Zappy. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be two or three of those chase. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a rotation at some <laughs> point. You see a Cunningham signing? Sighting? They, uh, so I'm they, not bullshitting. Like, I, they, I'm watch, not, I know you're not. We're going to see like a Danny Warfel back in the Florida days where, you know, uh, they used to change the quarterbacks by series. They asked Bill O'Brien Wednesday about Cunningham potentially getting a start because of all the bullshit that's been going on there. His, his answer was, quote, Malik has done a really good job. Assistant coaches make recommendations. Head coaches make decisions. What the hell is that supposed to mean, Bill? Like, that means not. But I'm just like, it means absolutely not. Coaches make recommendations, and the and the bill's going to make basically Bill Belichick's going to make the call who starts. Doesn't matter who I want, is what Bill O'Brien is. Far more like himself from this offense to me, like, right? I got nothing. Don't blame this shit on me. I still want a job moving forward. I want to go back to college and get another good gig again. That's what I mean. That's an interesting, to me, that's an interesting quote to be like, this this was not my mess. We we are taking the under, right, fellas? 32 and a half. We're still going with the under because I'm I'm taking the under. You want to live dangerously. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking the under. All right, let's go to our next one. Here's a game that might have a chance on the over, fellas. We might have a chance. The Jacksonville Jaguars going into Houston. Two hotter offenses. Jacksonville bounced back last week. Houston's been hot for a while now. We've been liking what we've seen out of them. Got a chance for the over in this one. I'm playing C.J. Stroud. Got him as a top five quarterback this week. I'm still 
not going to tell you to start Trevor Lawrence. I'm still lowering the ECR on him. He's at QB 11. I got my QB 14. Maybe they bounce back at some point this season, but the still has just been way too inconsistent and not nearly enough of a ceiling for me to care. Frank, particularly when it comes down to it. We got to do, we have a question coming in from Richard here. Standard league need a flex play. Jerome Ford, Raheem Mostert, Charbonnet, or James Connor. Let's get Adam in here again. Adam, what would you go here? I'm on the Mostert side of this. Uh, I think he's got the upside. I think they could very feasibly be running quite a bit in that game, um, given my belief about uh, Tim Boyle. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I, that rushing attack has been great against teams that aren't like the upper echelon of the NFL. Granted, this Jets defense kind of is, but the offense is so bad it almost negates any advantage gained by that defense. Um, and then, yeah, the other guys are guys. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, I do have Raheem Mostert ranked the highest out of all those guys, too. Travis Etienne, still got him as a top 10 art running back, but I did want to note here, Esau's got him at two. He hasn't been like a number two overall running back in a month now. So, like, we got to keep our eyes on this. Although, I still, you're still starting with an RB1, so I don't get into it too much. Devin Singletary, RB25. Again, if Damian Pierce is out, then he will get inside of my top 24. Might even get inside my top 20. Devin Singletary has been very good the last couple of weeks. And this is what I always thought about Devin Singletary coming into these situations. When he's put in a situation where he gets all of the work, he does a hell of a lot better usually more times than not, no matter who he's playing for. Chase, if Damon Pierce is out, and, and frankly, this should be Singletary's backfield no matter what moving forward. Yes, but as long as be. Pierce is out, is Singletary, are we, we talking about him as a top 15 running back? I don't know about top 15, but he's definitely a playable. He's an every week running back to play. If, if, if you take Pierce out of the equation, yes, Singletary should be an every week running back to play with Pierce in there. It depends. We will have to see now that Singletary has kind of gone on this several week run. We'll have to see if, and when Pierce gets healthy, how they want to use him. But I agree with you that regardless of, of Pierce's health or not, Singletary deserves this backfield with the work that he's done there this this year, and it would be nice to see because this is an offense that's has been kind of rolling all year and has found itself behind C.J. Stroud here. I would love to see just Singletary take it and go with it, and that's as a guy who, in Dynasty at least, has a bunch of Damian Pierce all over the place. But Singletary, he's outplayed him, plain and simple. When they've when when they've both when they've been healthy, Singletary has been the better player this season. One hundred percent agree. Here's somebody, Chris, who I think is a top twelve player at his position rest of season, and that's Tank Dell. I got my wide receiver six way ahead of ECR at wide receiver thirteen. I shouldn't say way ahead, but ahead of where I'm aggressive. Where like Tank Dell to me is like a borderline elite play at this point. My question to you is, does this last all year? He's been a top 12 last three weeks. He's been double-digit targeted. Robert Woods came back. I know Noah Brown was out, but he's just looked like he's taking the next step in the second half, as C.J. Stroud also does. So as long as this trend continues, I don't see how you can ever have him out of your lineup. What do you think? I feel torn with you. I definitely want to have as much upside hope for him as you do, Dan. My concern is that we've seen other receivers kind of take turns, have these you know, incredible stretches. Nico Collins was an incredible stretch at the beginning of the season. Then it was Tank Dell. Then we saw Noah Brown have those two back-to-back games where he goes over 150 yards. Um, 
we haven't really seen this receiving court all be healthy at the same time. So I am curious at some point, Noah Brown is there. There is a Woods. There's a Dalton Schultz who's actually gotten you know, more involved over the last second half of the season as well, um, or second quarter of the season, I should say. So it's been really interesting to see with all the different mouths to feed in some of the games they've been in a lot of shootouts. I do think Tank Dell is the alpha in a sense where it's obvious to me that there's a connection between him and C.J. Stroud. We heard that, that all the way back through the summer. Um, but I do have a little concern that there's so many different guys that kind of get involved from week to week that you can maybe have some weeks where he's not necessarily a top-tier guy for moving forward versus a, a guy like, you know, like I said, upside-wise, he's definitely going to be in your lineup. Yeah, Chris, this right now on the season, he's sitting at just shy of a 20% target share on that team, which is making which is like a top 30 type wide receiver. If he, he needs to raise that another 10%, he needs to get up to around 30 to be in the same range as the guys who are truly elite, but he's been showing he's been capable of that. If it continues to trend that direction, there's no reason he can't be that way. I have him at nine this week. I agree with you, Dan, that he's been phenomenal. I think that he can sustain this, but, we, we need to see him maintain that high target rate. When well, have, Chase, let me, let me fire back Schultz. on that real quick. They do have Robert Woods. They do have Noah Brown. They do have Nico Collins. They do have Devin Singletary they'll throw to. Yeah. Uh, wait, am I, am I on mute still? Is that the no, problem? you're no. good. You're good. Chase, let me fire back on that real quick. You, you bring up the target share for the season. But the last three weeks, he's trending that he's direction. Like said, on, he's trending 27, that 29, 30. Yes. The question he becomes trending. is that target share include? And Chris, to your point about Noah Brown having his two big games, that target share includes the games that Noah Brown was going off. He was still getting that same workload. So Nick that's Carr was I, out that week, right? Those those weeks was banged no. up in one week. You one of the two games. For- one, one of the two games Noah Brown went off, Nico Collins was out. But Nico Collins was active for the other game. And in those both those they games, all three like went Noah off. Noah yeah. Brown went off. Tank Dell has had still that elite target share. Well, here's what I think happens anyway. I think when Noah Brown is back and fully healthy, I think we just see Robert Woods start to go away. Because he gets his targets, but does absolutely nothing with it. I don't think he really serves a purpose at this point as far as being in the three-man rotation. So I don't think it's really going to be as big of an issue from that standpoint. But Tank, Tank Dell just looks like he looks like he's ready to be that special player. That, yeah, that's and, the, and the trend is moving that direction. Like you said, Dan, last three weeks, the trend is moving toward that elite usage. And if he can maintain that, and if that's where the, how they really are going to keep using him going forward, yeah, the sky's the limit for the kid because he can't be covered and he's got good hands. He's a, he's a playmaker and it seems he has a real connection with Stroud, which is nice to see. I mean, geez, these guys could be good for a long time together. Yeah, 100%. All right, so Christian Kirk, I still have him as a top 20 play this week. Uh, Calvin Ridley came back to life. Last week as a wide receiver 20 and as well, I have him as a wide receiver 22 this week, but came back to life last week with a hundred yard performance and a two touchdown performance. Uh, we'll, we'll go to Chris. Cause you know, Chris is the Calvin Ridley defender on this show. And I, I made fun of him for it. I want to just, so I want to get his take for it, but Chris, is this something, was this a, a one and done, or I shouldn't say one and done. Was this a, just say a bright spot and otherwise abysmal season, or is this getting the cap off of something? Did you see something different in that game or was it just happenstance that he finally had a good game? Well, what I saw different was he was prioritized in the red zone particularly. They looked for him both times in the t- for the touchdowns that they threw. It was beautiful throws. Well, the throw was a beautiful throw in the back corner. Um, but you saw Calvin Ridley was kind of the feature. He was the first read, and especially when he got in the red zone. And that was a big difference for me. What I'm concerned about and why I'm necessarily thinking he might have turned a corner is now we see Zay Jones return back this week. So now it's going to be a matter of do, does Jacksonville kind of go back to – 
away from what they did last week and go back to where they've been most of the season is have Trevor Lawrence quote unquote throw to the open guy or the guy who's easily has less coverage on him. So we saw a lot of Zay Jones, we saw a lot of Christian Kirk, we saw a lot of Evan Ingram. We saw a lot of short passes for five, seven yards down the field. And that was part we saw a lot different last week was pushed down the field, a more aggressive. I do have concerns. Do they really learn their lesson last week? Or are they going to kind of go back with Zay Jones now and kind of go back to that, hey, you just started to whoever's open versus prioritizing the kind of the guys are trying to feature? Did you guys see the tweet from Field Yates on this, so on Calvin Ridley playing with Zay Jones on the field this week? No. No. In three games with Zay Jones on the field, he's got eight catches, seven catches, seven catches, over 100 yards in each, and three total touchdowns. In the seven games without him, he has under 15 fantasy points, only one touchdown total, and only one game over 40 yards. And the point that I think he's making there is that maybe because you have to account for a third option in that pass game outside of you know Evan Ingram and, and Christian Kirk, because you have to account for somebody else, it opens things up more for Calvin Ridley to, to run. That's not the guy that we thought Calvin Ridley was, was that he needed all, like all the, oh, I, I tried to give him. Is that who you, is that who you thought he was? That, that's who I thought he was. That, that was the whole point I made when we're going to draft season. Why I was drafting him as a wide receiver three. It's not the guy he's been advertised as though. Sure. Everybody drafted him as a guy that could be just the, the lockdown quote unquote, number one guy. And it looks like he may need more going on around him to be able to actually eat like that. I just, I thought that was a really interesting, it's a small sample size, admittedly only three games so far this season, but I mean, it, it's an interesting tidbit to think about there when, when it's that great a contrast between the three games with him and, and the seven games without. So I just, Lawrence I, I remember seeing that earlier too. this week. What was that? Lawrence is better in those games too. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the, Adam, to your point, I think that's the main key. When Zay Jones is on the field, Trevor was, Lawrence is a better quarterback. Zay Jones period. was good last year. Zay, yeah, they, Zay Jones was on the field all year last year. Look, look what look at the contrast between last year and this year with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. 100%. All right, Nico Collins, he comes to the top 24 receiver for me this week, not expecting Noah Brown to play. Didn't have the big game last week, but he did still have a lot of volume nonetheless. Dalton Schultz, top seven tight end for me. Evan Ingram, a top 10 tight end. You guys have any other notes you want to get to in this game? All right, so let's go to our next matchup. <laughs> Cleveland Browns taking on the Denver Broncos, and we have to Under. suffer other week, another week of DTR. Or, or can we say now DTR is not a starting quarterback in the NFL? He had a full week to prepare. He had his. Whole he made game. it past halftime. He made it past. <laughs> and, and he, yeah, and he, he won, won the game. And he won. And he, he has him in second place. He, he yeah, he won. He, he won. What a, what a joke! What a joke that <laughs> game was. First of all. 13 to 10 game. What a joke across the board that game was. And I expect no different in this game. Yes, Chris, to your point, we are taking the under here in this matchup as well. Uh, Russell Wilson, I don't really want to play him this week against Cleveland. Let's put it this way. When you have a matchup like this, where we're not expecting a lot of points, it gets real, real small, your group of players that you want to play anyway. Over the only under 10-yard passes should be the, the big thing for this game. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Um, Jonte Williams, we're going to play him. The workload's still been there. He, pe- I've seen people starting to like freak out about Javante after last week against Minnesota. We didn't have just a great game. And I'm like, it was the first game he's had that wasn't that great in the last month, number one. Number two, his usage has been there. But everyone's freaking out about the seven targets of Samaja Perrine. And yes, he's still not the pass catching back when they get into negative game scripts. 
I don't expect this to be a negative game script with DTR as the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be neutral. Javante will get his touches. We saw Jalen Warren have no problem with the Cleveland Browns last week. And the Browns are a team that they're very, very good on paper. And, and I don't want to take anything away from against the run. But if you actually commit to running at them, you can do that. It's just most teams have not been in a position to do that throughout the entire year. I think Javante will be fine. He's still an RB2 for me. So is Jerome Ford. Kareem Hunt's a flex play. The only guy I think worth talking about here is Amari Cooper. Uh, I am quite a bit higher than the ECR. ECR has him at 37. I still think you can play Amari Cooper as a wide receiver three this week. Still had eight targets last week. He's the only guy who can do anything with the ball in his hands after the catch. Or only one who gets put in a position to do anything with the ball in his hands after the catch. And uh, I guess the good news is that they let DTR throw the ball 43 times, let the 13 points, not even 200 yards for whatever that's worth. But yeah. So would you guys play Amari Cooper as a wide receiver three this week? Or are you just looking for any other option you can possibly find? Adam, we'll go to you. Yeah, I they're willing to th- let him throw the ball a little bit. It doesn't look great. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like the, the Steelers were a tougher matchup. Uh, not certainly uh i don't think dtr is gonna light it up i guess i'll say that but um steelers and baltimore is our only two looks i think it gets a little bit better than what we've seen not enough to for anyone else um but a, a guy can probably have a day even last week elijah moore had a decent week um so i, I think that there's potential for amari to be pretty playable Chase, Chris, you guys agree, disagree? He's a wide receiver three now. He's a solid wide receiver three where he has he had been a kind of a borderline two, or he had been a two basically this season. Listen, he's averaged eight targets per game on the season. Guess what he saw last week? Eight freaking targets. It's just that the problem is is the that he's not going to see as many catchable targets. So <laughs> his 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 production is going to go necessarily down if that continues to be the case there. So yeah, I mean. I'll, I'll use him as I've got him at 39, but that's just outside that wide receiver three kind of realm anyway. So yeah, I, I would play him if I had him on my roster, if I didn't have anything immediately better, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about him getting his, his targets. It's just the fact that they're not going to be as catchable and he's going to have to get one open. He's going to have to find the right target in order to, to really be able to maintain his scoring that he's, that he's done this season. Look, DTR was so good. They brought Joe Flacco out of borderline retirement this week to put him on the roster. And hope's in the air. If you have a Murray Cooper, if you're hoping for something out of Elijah Moore, I think you're hoping you see Joe Flacco sooner rather than later. And you know what? I think we do see Joe Flacco sooner rather than later, believe it or not. Uh, Cortland Sutton is a higher-end wide receiver three for me. It's never pretty. It, It always takes till the fourth quarter. But the dude finds a way to fall into the end zone one way or another to give you that value. So we got to keep playing him as a wide receiver three, even in a tough matchup. David Njoku comes in as a top 12 tight end for me this week. He had 15 targets for what it's worth last week. So, yeah, go ahead. you can't get that out of tight ends. Go ahead and fire him up for that reason. He's not going to see Patrick Sertan, which is probably what you're worried about with Amari Cooper. So, uh, yeah, I think we can play a little David Njoku here as a low-end tight end one. And Denver's, a great, Denver's a great tight end matchup. So all these playable guys because of DTR. <laughs> I wouldn't say all that. I wouldn't say all that. We're just saying, we're going to play all these different guys. Who's the quarterback this week? The same guys we were playing before. And Cooper's feeling just takes that. That was my point last week. Even less for Cooper. Even less for Cooper. And now you get 15 targets from Njoku. 
makes it even more exciting. Yeah. Yeah, for seven catches and 50 yards. Yeah, totally. Let's move on. This is going to drive me crazy. We have to do a whole... I'm, I don't even I'm going to write an article. We're going to do a whole show on how to fix the NFL from quarterback issues to offensive line we issues. We should just start with the quarterback first, Dan. Just the quarterback is our first show that we should have just to break down the, the atrocious quarterback situation. It's... It's a problem when a third of the league is this inept offensively because we have the poor quarterback play, which has been mostly due to injuries and the poor offensive line play. Like the NFL truly, and I'm not exaggerating this. I love football. We talk about fantasy football all the time. I truly think the NFL currently has a problem over the past couple of years on their hands. They need to figure Four out years some in way. A row, we've had historical quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks play and had a number mm-hmm. increase. Last year was an all-time high. We're already up to 52 starting this week with Tim Boyle starting. We're on a 65, 66, I'm sorry, is the high number, which we achieved last year, 64 the previous year. So we're already there by the half half you know, mark. It's definitely an issue. It's, and the coaching. Issue. Yeah, and the coaching. And the coaching is an issue too. Uh, so we got the Rams taking on the Arizona Cardinals in this game. Cooper Cup. I don't have him ranked. I don't think we're going to see him play this week. It's a low ankle sprain, so it's not going to cost him a ton of time. But there's also no reason to not have him be 100%, especially the state the Rams are in right now. So I don't think we see him this week. Puganico dealing with a shoulder injury. He seems more optimistic to be able to go. Uh, again, guys, I'm away this week, so I will not have the Brian Scott episode tomorrow to talk about the injuries, plus it's Thanksgiving. Uh, but we will be posting out on social media all the guys you want to know about, just like we did last week. Give us a follow at Show on X and, of course, MDFF Show everywhere else. Uh, Kyler Murray, I do have him as a quarterback you want to play. Got him as a top seven play, actually, this week. He has come out running over the past couple of weeks. So we go ahead and play him. Kyron Williams comes back. That's the good news here. He's going to be back off the IR. Sounds like he was healthy even last week if he wasn't, you know, ineligible because of the IR of when they put him on. He needed four games, not four weeks, so he couldn't come back last week. But it sounds like he's going to come back, take over his number one role right away. I'm starting him against the Arizona Cardinals, the top 24 running back. Anybody have any reservations about Kyron Williams coming back and starting him this week? I've got him at 24 as well. I agree with you that. Plug him in, yeah. plug him in and go. Well, I'm at 17. ECR's got yeah. a 24. So I'm a little more confident than they are. James Conner is somebody I want to get into a little bit. So I got him an RB30. ECR's got him a 20. I don't think he's a must play right now. The problem James Conner has, he was always the volume guy, always the bell cow guy. That's what got him through because it was never that efficient. You always knew he was going to get hurt at some point. But now, now you're able to count on that volume. Now you have Michael Carter in the mix. He hasn't been involved in the passing game since he's come back. 6% target share over the last two weeks. He's touchdown dependent. Adam, when you look at James Conner, do you see a must-start rest of season? I don't know if he's a must-start, at least not right now, uh, until you see the usage change. I do think that there's something to be said about them easing him in. I mean, he, to your point, he's a back that's been hurt a lot. He's kind of getting up there to that age at running back where you don't want to be too aggressive with bringing them back. Um, and then it's not like this is a season that they're, they're playing for too much. It's kind of just to, you know, let the dude play. Um, so I, I think that there's a pathway for him, I guess is what I'm getting at, but I'm not considering him a must start this week. I think he could become one, uh, throughout the season. So I'm not ruling it out. 
Do you think better days still could be ahead for him? Okay. Could be. Uh, yeah, could, could be. I can understand that. I just, I don't know if that changes. I think they brought in Michael Carter for that reason to not have him be the pass catching back. And that's what would concern me because James Conner needs all the volume. He needs to be a bell cow to be that RB2 that you want him to be. That's always um, been his value is that he doesn't come off the field on third downs. He, he's he's yeah. early down and a late down back, but if they want to take that late down work from him for whatever reason, whether it's to keep him healthy or because they think that someone else can do the role, the role better, yeah, that, that does lower his value significantly. Uh, Puka Nakua, I'm lower than him on ECR, but it's more I'm waiting to see his practice report exactly how healthy he's going to be by the end of week. Fact is, you're starting him confidently if he's out there and Cooper Cup is not any given. You start, you start him confidently no matter what. He's in your lineup no matter what. But definitely has a bigger ceiling without Cooper Cup. Marquise Brown. Chris, I think Marquise Brown is good. Uh, I think he should be the number one targeted player on the Arizona Cardinals. But that player has been Trey McBride. Marquise Brown, 10% and 14% target share since Murray has returned. Is this just an anomaly, or are they just not on the same page? I think it's more of an anomaly. I think it's more of a matchup thing that you're seeing. The teams that they played the last have, were better on the outside, have better you know corner play on the outside, I should say. So you saw a lot of attacking in the middle of Kyler Murray using those kind of inside receivers. You saw Craig you know, Dortich have six or seven catches, I think it was last week. We haven't seen most of the season. Um, so I just think it was more of the, the matchups that they had where they were able to kind of exploit the inside guys and not use Marquise Brown as much outside. The fact that they're looking to lock up Marquise Brown and having discussion talks about having an extension makes me very optimistic about him fantasy-wise moving forward because we know he's Kyler Murray's best friend on this team. It probably means good things for Kyler possibly staying there, and that's usually a guy that they're going to look for in their offense. It has been a priority most of the season. So I, I understand the kind of trepidation Marquise Brown, but I still think he's a must-play. Yeah, no. I still think he must, I don't think he's a must play this week. I think you have to wait a week. The Rams have been actually stingy against wide receivers on the outside perimeter in particular. I, I would actually have I have Marquise Brown as wide receiver 38. I'm not starting him this week. So do you want to do a showdown here? I will, because this week I would start him. Okay. All right. So you would start him. So that means he'd be a top 24 receiver for you. Okay. I have him at 27, Chris. Would you have him higher than that? Yeah, you'd have him higher than I that. would have him about 25. So I'll 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 Chase, we'll use yours. We'll use yours. 27. Yeah, yeah. So un, over or under 27 means he better than 27. Chris wins over 27. I win. Where's, where's, come on. Where's the button? There we go. Marquise Brown over under wide receiver 27 this week with Chris. We'll see who wins this one. Chris did win last one. First one I've lost in a while though, boys. Uh, Trey McBride, he's still getting a wide receiver one level target share over the past four weeks. It's been insane. 40%, 28%, 30%, 25% last week. We know Trey McBride's a must start. I got him in my top five tight end. They have a bye week 14. Chase, let me ask you this. Do you think they bother to bring Zach Ertz back at all this season? And if they do, does Trey McBride then fall out of top 12 tight end consideration? I mean, do they bring him back? I, if I were them, I wouldn't, I mean, but you can never tell with what the hell they're going to do. They, they haven't necessarily been the most consistent franchise, you know, ever run. Um, but no, if he comes back, I think just McBride has just proven he's proven that he should, he, he has ascended to that spot. It should be his spot. He's performed too well to, to pull him out of it. I, I would say, no, I would say that they, they should let, McBride cook, even if they bring Ertz back, 
this should be McBride's job uh, more more often than not. He needs to he needs to be out there. He needs to be the guy. Should be. It should be. Should yeah, be logically but, speaking, it should, should be. be. But yeah, that should be. But this feels like Arizona, kind of that old school type of coaching staff staff that won't let a guy lose a job to injury. And I, that's my concern is that they'll give him a shot because he lost the job due to injury. This is the same coaching staff that wouldn't let Zach Ertz just go away for Dallas Goddard until they finally moved on from him. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of what I'm looking at too. All right, uh, any other notes to this game? All right, let's move on to our next matchup. We got the Chiefs taking on the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas in this one. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has been a headache. It's been very much a headache. I saw him as QB 10 this week. You're still starting him. He's Patrick Mahomes. You're never not going to start him. He, it's not his fault. This is what's so frustrating about it. But ECR putting him at four, is, I think it's a slap in the face to people. He's not a top five quarterback right now. Whether it's his fault or not, he's not a top five quarterback right now. It's, it's not his fault that nobody besides Kelsey can catch the ball. It's not his fault that Matt Nagy continues to call plays and it looks absolutely thunkish and unrhythmic and idiotic at times out there where it's just like, hey, my whole offensive idea is Mahomes. You go back there and try to make something happen. If that doesn't work, I have no answers for you. Last three games, one top 12 finish. One. The other thing that compacts all of this is that because the Chiefs defense is good, they are not asking the offense to do too much. They are not asking the offense to try to win games. They just lost a big one on Monday night, but it's still the formula that I think they're going to have moving forward. Guys, would you rather have a Sam Howell, a Brock Purdy, a Kyler Murray? Would you rather Justin Fields? Would you rather have these guys over Patrick Mahomes rest of season? Chris, we'll go to you. Maybe, maybe Justin Fields because of the upside. The rest of those guys know. Um, while I understand this, the upside of Patrick Mahomes has not been this year, and he's on his way to a career-low touchdown pass. What I have seen, and we've seen this kind of work for you know Adams Colts in the past, the Andrew Luck factor. He's going to run for 40 to 50 yards almost every game that he has to. He's going to scramble around just to give you that close enough to get 20 points. And for this season, to be a top-tier quarterback, if you get that 20-point you know, week in, week out, that makes you one of the better options to have. So I think Patrick Mahomes has that consistent floor in a sense where – you can feel confident your quarterback's going to get you around 20 points week in, week out. Is it going to be off the chain where you get to 50 points anymore or 40 points? Probably not. But this season, just how things have kind of unfolded, that having that guy who's money in week in, week out, to me, is a guy that's worth having. Because he's, he only, he's, o- he's only got you 20 he points. Been. He's only gotten you over 20 points once since week three, though. That's that's part of the problem. Right. Well, right. I, agree exactly. with, I tend to agree with you, though, Chris, because What's based on his- though, Chase? Was that? What's the floor been for the most of those games? His floor 15, for the most 16, part has been between 15 and 18 points. Yeah. That has been his floor. Yeah. And that what makes him no better than the rest of those guys. I mean, look at some of the, it does it because look at some of those other guys' floors. When you can get guys who have like single digits or double, you know, 12 points versus a guy who I'm just, that's just my preference. Trevor Lawrence no, I, is I, I, averaging I, I, 15 and a half points on the season. And that's right. about what you've been and getting we don't from want Patrick to start Mahomes him. since week and We three. don't want to start him right now. Yeah. Like, we don't even want to play Trevor Lawrence. And that's where Patrick Mahomes has been in that, that territory more times than not this year. Yeah, not I, like this, said, I'm, I'm, And I'm, I'm a guy who drafted him. I drafted him all over I the place. I drafted him too. 
So did I. It has yeah, been them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a league where I did in fact I made a trade where it was uh, it was Patrick Mahomes and Tyler Lockett for yeah. Zay Flowers and Brock Purdy. And I I was the one who made that trade. I was I was happy with it. Like, that's kind of where we're at now. Uh, that's, that's, that's the thing. I don't. So here's the, here's my other problem with Mahomes. Again, this is not his fault, but I don't see how this changes. Even if Andy Reid takes over the play calling, the receivers are not suddenly going to learn how to catch. And I think that's the, the receivers issue. are much different than last year. Where, I mean, that's to me is where there's still there a lot of hope and a lot of upside. Juju, as much as we knock him, is was a much He's more a veteran player, much more yep. dependable option yes. than anything he has right now. He can't separate, but he can catch. Right. And and all all Mahomes needs is another guy besides Kelsey, who he trusts to catch the ball to pick up that extra first down. And because he has not had that, that's what we've seen, career lows across the board. Why is that guy not Rasheed Rice? Either one of you guys. Rasheed Rasheed Rice has been dealing with drops and everything like that. My better question is, why are you not utilizing... No, he didn't. Why are you not utilizing Jeremy McKinnon? That's that the key, the Darren. Yeah. That's the key one. That's the one I don't understand at all. They're not using Jared McKinnon. They didn't even look him. at him at the end of that game the other night. They did not even they look at him. haven't used him in forever. Yeah. And, but they I'm, they I'm haven't like, used him forever. He was wide-ass. He's running into the flat wide-ass open, and they, they're not looking at him at all. And all they needed to do was drive down the field for one score. It was like, yeah, why is he even out no, there? Why is he I even don't, out there? At this point in the season, I'm not counting on that changing. So I just wanted to point that Mahomes is still starting him, but I don't think you can have that same ceiling conversation. He should not be in the top five. I don't think until something changes fundamentally within that offense. Uh, Josh Jacobs is still an RB1 for me. Pacheco, another guy who I keep trying to fight ECR on. I got him at RB26. They got him at 15. He ran well last week even, but still the problem is he's not involved in the passing game. He's not guaranteed. He's had one touchdown, I think, in seven weeks. So he's not getting a touchdown. He's not getting a target. So all your, you're not, he's not getting 100-yard rushing games like he was earlier on the year. So you get left with eight to nine points. That's okay. But that's an RB3. I got him an RB26 this week against the, against the Raiders. Adam, what do you make of that? You're, you have a check of higher. Uh, I, I think it depends. He he's a good back, and I generally want to play good backs who are playing well and kind of you know more often than not. I feel like the touchdowns will will work themselves out uh, as things progress. It has been a long time though, so I, I definitely feel you uh, you know on that. He hasn't scored much. He doesn't get the work in the receiving game. Um, but I I think you know I would assume that the Chiefs are going to look at themselves and try to figure something out, and the only thing that they can figure out is this guy that doesn't take much to change into, he's functionally working. We're just not getting him the ball enough or in the right situations. Um, so I, I think maybe leaning into him is like the one thing that they could realistically change because it's not too big of a change. Um, that, yeah, I, I think the fringes of a two is, is about right. All right. So we got Devontae Adams. Um, Better last week. Love that he finally got in the end zone. Target share has been great the past couple of weeks. He's finally a solidified, safe wide receiver, too. I'm still lower in ECR because we still haven't seen this guy go over 100 yards at the big explosive plays. I don't know McDuffie. how much they're going to be there. And he, he did have, and he had McDuffie this week. Right. So ECR has got my wide receiver 11. I am a wide receiver 17. You're still in your lineup, but we're still not going to see those big games out of Devontae Adams, I think, just yet. Rasheed Rice comes in at wide receiver 40 for me. Usage again, all over the place. I don't want to start anybody not named Travis Kelsey. And Kelsey, even 
I actually have him at number two this week. And not because I don't think he shouldn't be the number one tight end overall. More so, I wanted to make a point on this show. He does not. I know he's been banged up for the majority of the year. But I thought maybe coming out the bye, we see a little more spring in his step. He looks like he's running molasses. Now, he's still going to be your top two tight end you know, on a more times than not, an elite tight end every single week. But I do want to make the point, I don't think Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey right now either. And that all kind of compacts this whole thing that I've been talking about. You guys have any other notes on this game? Taylor's in Brazil. He's sad. Why wouldn't he be running through molasses? She's at the Alliance Park in Sao Paulo, Brazil with Sabrina Carpenter. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Boy, girl meets world. Hell yeah. Entirely too much knowledge right there. We got to move on. <laughs> We got the Bills taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, elite plays to play them. DeAndre Swift, top 12 running back for me. James Cook does come in as an RB3. I like how they used him last week. Got the touchdown. That was good. Had a little more utilization, comparatively speaking. Latavius still involves. But this is a tough matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think he's a must start in a week where there are no buys in this type of matchup. A.J. Brown, I would suspect he bounces back after his one catch for eight yards on the sideline there. Stephon Diggs, though, still wide receiver one. Like, we're not we're not fretting on Stephon Diggs, but in a bit of a slump here. He's only finished as a top 12 receiver over the last four weeks. Doesn't seem to get any more of the target share, although last week was more of a game script thing than anything else. Chris, are you looking for a bounce back for Stephon Diggs against the Eagles this week? We should be a matchup, but he should be able to. I am because I have stuff on things that dropped the ball as much as the Kansas City Chiefs did in the past week. And if they didn't drop the ball so often, <laughs> they would have been a lot more points scored for that Chiefs offense. I think yeah. Buffalo is going to be able to get the ball to the outside receivers. You've seen that all season long. The outside receivers have been problems for the Eagles. Look back a couple of weeks ago against Washington twice. Um, so I look at a matchup for Stephon Diggs where they have a struggle be able to kick up the quick receivers for, in the secondary, even the good, even the good corners. Um, so I think Stephon Diggs definitely gets back on track. I think there's going to be a conscious effort, to your point, that he's been in a little bit of a slump, that he wasn't really much involved in one of the guys who didn't eat last week. I think him and Gabe Davis will be Joe Brady's priorities to kind of involve this week. Yeah, Gabe Davis. Uh, you can't play Gabe Davis. Uh, Gabe, Gabe Davis is one more dud game away from being a must drop. Uh, let's, let's get real about Gabe Davis. Like You can't you can't trust him with a 10-foot ball right now. Give me a break with Gabe Davis. Five receiver 51 for me this week. But... <laughs> Devonta Smith, by the way, wide receiver 12 for me. I don't know why ECR is sleeping on him. They got him as a back-end wide receiver two. The guy's a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. Whenever Goddard's not in, he's proven that every time. He's proven it now. Devonta Smith, fire him up, have high expectations. Donkey K, the top five tight end for me this week, too. You guys, anything you want to get into in this one? What were we uh, expecting? Other- what were we expecting out of James Cook this season? That we're all just well, he was being got the running back I don't think he's bad. You guys hate James Cook. I don't hate James Cook. I don't hate. I have him on my home league team, and I'm not thrilled with him. But like, what? I just I wonder what we all were thinking we were getting out of him this season when he, we were drafting. Here was my issue with James Cook coming into draft season. It, it wasn't it had nothing to do with James Cook. He was being drafted as a high end RB two with RB one upside. And I kept arguing he would never get the usage you're looking for consistently enough to be that guy. And that has proven true. I think James cook is exactly what I expected him to be, which is a maybe mid-level low end RB two. Yeah. We are getting more yards out. It's more valuable to you in half point, full point PPR leagues. Yeah. I think this is what he is, 
but he wasn't being drafted that way. He was being drafted the idea that like, he could turn to his brother at some point in time. In the, we saw in Madison the drafted that way. We saw Miles Sanders yeah, drafted I, that way. No, it's sure. There was, I don't, think anybody, enough, under, I don't think anybody who understood anything about football or fantasy football in their right no, mind there was, thought there was that a James lot of people Cook ranking, would be Dalvin There was a Cook. lot of people ranking him top 15. There was a lot of people ranking him in the top 15 this year. He's, that wasn't, that he's was, running that back 14 overall right now. I just I don't I don't understand what the angst is all about when we whenever whenever James Cook's name comes up, not just our show, it's other shows, it's all over the place. Every time James Cook's names come up, everybody's like, why? Why? He's freaking running back 14 on the season. That's exactly I, where I mean, he should be. To be to be fair, Chase, they have not had their bye week right now. If you go on a, a points per game basis, That's, he's already no, twenty four. Exactly. But I'm just saying, like, it's not like he's been wildly out of. Yeah, if you knew what you were looking at coming to the season, you didn't think he was his freaking brother because it's he's just not. He never he never has been. But no, I just I just want to know what other like want everybody out there to kind of take a freaking pill, have a drink, sit back, and just calm down about James Cook because yeah, we know you Chase shouldn't have thought you were getting. Bar. You shouldn't have thought you were getting 2022 Tony Pollard. Not everybody has your bar in the background, buddy. Well, no, uh, but only, you could still buy a beer. The, the only other note I was going to try to throw in here, I mean, not that it changes the rankings at all, but Jalen Hurts is clearly not 100%, and I do. I would be a little bit worried. This is a guy who's not finished an entire season yet because he usually misses a game or two towards the end of the year. I'd be a little bit worried about that happening at some point this season. He doesn't look quite right. Oh, and also, must start Chris's favorite player, Don Kincaid. All right, next match. <laughs> We got the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles. Lamar Jackson, still top eight guy for me, but he's falling that Patrick Mahomes boat of like, let's stop breaking this guy into top four right now because that's not really what his value is reflective of. And he loses one of his top targets in Mark Andrews for what should be the rest of the season. Justin Herbert, I'm still going to start him. Yes, it's a terrible match against Baltimore. ECR is trying to make him a high-end QB2, though. Justin Herbert has been better more times than not. I don't know how you have 12 other better options than Justin Herbert, really, frankly, at this point. So I am gonna, I still have him as QB11 heading into this week. You're starting Austin Eckler. Chase, let's get into your favorite player, Gus Edwards. I'm, I'm like, you've totally won me to your side, apparently, because ECR has got him at RB27, <laughs> which makes no sense to me at all against the Chargers. He has scored every single week. Since week seven, most of those games with multiple touchdowns. Mark Andrews out of the way makes more opportunities in the red zone for them to just to run it the hell in. How is he not a high end RB2? Why is ECR making this guy an RB3 and not even a must play right now? Uh, Keaton Mitchell syndrome. Everybody's excited and thinks that he should be something now. And I think that they think that yeah, he's just maybe- as hell. <laughs> exactly. But maybe they're thinking that because there's going to be targets vacated now in theory there's targets vacated with mark andrews out that somehow keaton mitchell is going to come in and and, then take away some of the shine or some i don't know i don't know because gus edwards has just continued to come out and do it and do it and do it uh if anything i don't necessarily think that mark andrews being out hurts helps the running backs i think it it helps the other guys in that pass in that pass attack because now there are actual targets and they don't necessarily throw to the running backs in that in that offense, and they haven't anyway. No, I'm just talking about in the red zone instead of doing a oh, play action. To no, I agree with that. I agree. Just, yeah, I agree. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah, you need four yards, they might run it rather than try and throw it to Mark Andrews because they know, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, yeah, I, I don't know because, you know, Gus Edwards is 
Gus Edwards is just, he's doing what he's doing this year, guys. At a certain point, they are who we thought they were. Well, maybe you yeah, thought was- that wrong, dude, because <laughs> Gus Edwards keeps scoring. I don't he's love him. No, I, he's a must start. I, but he's, he's must just, start. he is, he's he, a must start. Until, until proven otherwise, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keenan Allen, he's also a must start. Adam, help me out with Zay Flowers. So Mark Andrews out of the way. OBJ might not be playing. We got to wait to see how this practice week comes out, but he might not be playing either. Zay Flowers has been a guy who kind of fell into this territory of you didn't really want to start him anymore because he wasn't providing you much upside, wasn't scoring, not much of a floor. But now the opportunity seemed to be shaking his way. What do you think Zay Flowers' outlook is the rest of the season? Um, I'm not sure rest of season. I think that kind of comes down to Odell and, you know, how this, you know, passing attack continues to move, but definitely this week, I I feel comfortable playing him. Um, you know, whether Odell plays or not, even if he does play, I imagine he's going to be limited to some degree. Um, so I feel good about this week. Well, and I'm kind of just going to take it one week at a time from him, uh, given, you know, to your point, uh, we haven't been wanting to start him recently. I feel like we can take it one week at a time with him because he's kind of meshed into a matchup type guy anyways. So maybe I give him an advantage more often than I have been, but I'm not sure he's an every week guy for me until proven otherwise. Uh, we got a question coming in here from George play. Oh, one Tua or Justin Fields this week, Chris, which one would you play? Yeah, I'm going to go with Justin Fields. I, I know Detroit's been kind of a tougher matchup, but it's still going to be Detroit. Justin Fields showed you last week. He ran around, I'm a little concerned about this Miami Dolphins offense versus a good defense. And their secondary in particular has been able to shut down teams. So I definitely Justin Fields over two of this week. I definitely agree. Uh, also, he needs two receivers in a non-PPR. Cup, Waddle, Del, Olave. Don't think Cup's going to play. So Chase, between Waddle, Del, Olave, where are you going there? Lucky you, George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Between Waddle, Dell, Olave, I've got Dell. I've got Tank Dell ranked highest. I've got him at number nine this week, and Olave's Give me another one. He needs, he needs two. He needs two. Oh, uh, well, I, then, I, then I'm going Olave and Dell. Dell, Olave. Yeah. That's what, I've got nine and 15. Dell, Olave. Yep, I, I agree with that as well. Okay, so yeah, we're not playing Quentin Johnson. What about Isaiah Likely? Chris, you're going to take a shot on Isaiah Likely this week as a top 12 tight end? That's where I got him. Maybe, possibly, if OBJ is out for sure, I might take That's that chance. If not, it. then I'm not going to. I'm not necessarily seeing that Isaiah Likely is going to take over the Mark Andrews role. Then it's going to continue to be spread out. We've seen this offense all season, other than Mark Andrews, has been very inconsistent in who they feature. So I'm not going to necessarily take that shot yet. Yep, uh, I, I'm hesitant on him. The week at the beginning of the season, uh, when Andrews is out, we didn't see anything special. And Likely looked just not good this past week. You know, there were clearly miscommunication problems on multiple plays. I don't know how well he's adjusted to the offense. Um, I, I definitely, like, have hopes for him. I want to see it before I play him personally. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. I'm looking at it this way. If OBJ does not play outside of Zay Flowers, we know Rashad Bateman's been, like, not a thing all year Aguilar. Long. Watch out for Aguilar in that situation. Nelson they Aguilar. I, they, they, no, I, I, I don't know about the that. I no, no, Look, because we've already seen it this year. They, they tried it with Aguilar. It worked for, like, a game. And then, then when they tried to give him usage again after that, it just didn't work out. I don't think it's an Aguilar thing. If – to you, Chris, to your point, if OBJ is out, I think you can still play Isaiah Likely as a top 12 tight end this week. Uh, but let's move on to our next hold and on, last. Well, oh, we got Chase. DraftKings has this at 48 over under 48. They've yeah, got the Ravens at three and a half. Yeah, like 
that that's I, that's this, screaming under. That's yeah, screaming. that that's my point exactly. I yeah. was like, yeah, come on now. One hundred percent under. Uh, let's go to our next and last match. <laughs> Speaking of Justin Fields, we got the Bears and the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night football. If you're wondering where are the Bears, why are they not playing on Thursday? Well, they're playing on Monday this week instead. Uh, lucky us. Yeah, lucky us. Justin, hey, you know what? I will say this of teams. It's not, it's not the Jets. Not the Justin Fields. That's not a bad quarterback matchup to watch as far as what this year has taught us. I'm just putting that out there. Fields, by the, both guys. Are must arts for me. Feels like the state of the NFL that we're excited that Josh Dobbs is actually a good match. Oh, yeah, baby. Quarterback. Josh Dobbs Feels is a superstar. You. What are you talking about? Josh Dobbs franchise. Man. I love Josh Dobbs. I just Astronaut. think it's hilarious. Yeah. The guy who got ran out of the league two, three years ago. He's yep. played, no, he's played for, he's been like seven different team changes in the last 12 months. It's ridiculous. It's, it's insane. It is. Uh, but they're both must plays. I got Justin Fields at QB6. Josh Dobbs is a QB9. You like both of their matchups. Uh, this one did surprise me a little bit. So I have Alexander Madison as RB 31. So I have as a mid-level RB three did come off of a good game, but now it looks like he might be in a little bit more of a committee share with Ty Chandler and what we've seen in the past and the bears over the past six weeks have been a very, very stingy run defense. This is not a team you've been able to run up the middle on like we saw in the beginning of the year. So I don't think Madison nor Ty Chandler are must plays. I think you can flex Madison. That would be my pick of the two in this backfield. Chris, what are you making out of this? Yeah, I tend to agree. The Chicago defense has been better than we kind of expected it to be over the last couple of weeks, especially against the run. Um, I don't like either one. Madison's been madly inefficient for the most part of the season. The only time he ever seems to kind of shine, though, is when he gets a threat to his job. So um, it, it's kind of interesting to see whenever and we saw K-Makers kind of threaten his job. He had a, one of the better games. Uh, Chandler had one more playing time, kind of one of the better games. But I think this week kind of returns back into a pumpkin. This offense in general, I'm kind of thinking this game in general has been low scoring. So I don't like the running back to either one to play this week necessarily. What about turning back into a turkey? Turn back to a pumpkin? Turn back to a turkey? No. <laughs> I don't know if Turkey has a negative Turkey, connotation. That's, I see that's what it there. Come on now. <laughs> on, uh, yes. The Bears' backfield is no better. The only thing, Dante Foreman dealing with the ankle issue, maybe he doesn't want to playing, but this is the problem with Thanksgiving week. You have so many games before you ever even get to Sunday. I don't think you ever even get to make this decision. I do think if you have to pick a Bears' backfield player it's going to be Cleo Herbert for this week I do have him but even then he's still a flex play like I'm not getting really carried away with this um so I, I would avoid it if you can if you had to pick one I'd go Cleo Herbert we got a question coming in here from R.R. Hosea Austin Eckler Jonathan Taylor Alva Kamara Tank Dell CD Lamb Amon Ra Devin Singletary start two receivers two running backs and a flex so let's set his lineup here Chase <laughs> what, what, are we doing? what are we doing setting this lineup here your two running backs are going to be taylor and eckler your two wide receivers are going to be lamb and dell your flex is going to be like on the field not amon Ra. what are you kidding me i'm saying you're gonna but well you're gonna start amon Ra in your receiver thing because you don't want it you don't put your flex guy in yeah you're gonna do amon Ra, lamb dell taylor eckler you're leaving Kamara out of this. I'm leaving Kamara out of that because I got him ranked. I've got him ranked one spot behind Jonathan Taylor. 
Interesting, interesting. If Jameis Winston plays, I agree with you. If Derek Carr plays, I would probably actually play Kamara over Jonathan Taylor. He's got a tough match against Tampa Bay. And that, yeah, and that would be your that's your choice. That's your decision because Dell yeah. Lamb, Amon Ron Eckler, you should be going with. I, I I do agree with that. And you guys disagree. First of all, Jose, I, I know you're in an eight man league, man, because there's there's no. <laughs> <laughs> or you've made a hell of a you did had a hell of a trade deadline. I had yeah. a hell of a trade deadline, yeah. Uh good 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 for you. Uh getting back to this, we're not gonna I always I don't think we're going to see Justin Jefferson again this week. It looks like he's trying to set himself to come up maybe, maybe after the bye. Is anybody getting nervous that he doesn't come back at all? I don't think that's really a scenario. Chris, you are good. I think part of it's going to be this game, Dan. If they were to lose this game, what's going to be the incentive for Justin Jefferson to return and come back this year? I think that's partly why they pushed off. Them losing last week to Denver was a huge push, I think, or a huge dent. That's a big key. And a that's chance a for him to key. come back for the season because they have to be in playoff contention to kind of justify Justin Jefferson being out there, especially with the contract situation coming up with him. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that too. Um, Jordan Addison, there whenever he when Justin Jefferson's not in there, I know he's been a little bit of a cold streak, but his usage has been fine. I still have him as a 24 play this week at the wide receiver position. It is a good match against Chicago. You can't run him right now, but you can still throw the ball like hell on him. DJ Moore, welcome back to the party, DJ Moore. Gets Justin Fields back, and he's back to being an elite wide receiver. You have his wide receiver 15. Still have to see it one more week make him a top 12 play necessarily with Justin Fields. Didn't really throw the ball that effectively. Just do a good job getting DJ Moore the ball. Uh, but you're playing him with confidence moving forward. TJ Hawkinson, my number one tight end of the week. And Cole Komet does crack my top 10. Do you guys have any other notes for this game for this week? What do you got? Anything? A little nervous about Justin Fields versus Vikings. This Vikings team that loves the blitz. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting game. This Viking defense has been kind of you know, showing up over the last half of this last quarter of the season, I should say. And I'm really interested to see what Justin Fields can kind of, you know, run the ball again like he did last year, last week, I should say, because the passing attack might be a little bit difficult to have this week. They haven't done a good job of protecting him. So that the Viking defense is going to be better than people kind of expected it to be. Well, that's what I was going to bring up. Shout out to Chicago for remembering the Justin Fields run, right? That was the issue we had before he got hurt. And it's like they just – supplanted him to what he was doing at this time last year. Yep. (laughs) Like they had the same progression. They just skipped the parts where he was hurt and he's right where he was last year. (laughs) That's yeah, no, that's fair guys. uh, So Thanksgiving is tomorrow today for me, actually, but Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Hope you guys have a wonderful holiday. It's a big week. Check your trade deadlines, all your platforms. A lot of platforms trade deadlines are this week. So make sure you're checking on that last chance to make really any moves before those games kick off on Thursday night football. Make sure you're following us on social media at Billy up MDFF show on X MDFF show everywhere else. Make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app doing all that traveling on Thanksgiving. Give the MD's fantasy football show a little listen here. So you all set and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Guys, have a happy holiday and we'll see you real soon.